Rivetti, what's up? I'm sorry, sir. It's just a difference of opinion that got out of hand. What about? It's really too silly to talk about, sir. I'd rather just forget about... I don't give a damn about what you'd rather forget about. Why were you two fighting? Well, I said that the Kirby Silver Surfer was the only real Silver Surfer. And that the Mobius Silver Surfer was shit. And Benefield's a big Mobius fan. And things got out of hand. I pushed him, he pushed me. I lost my head, sir. I'm sorry. Rivetti, you're a supervisor. You can get a commission like that. I know it, sir. You're 100% right. It's never happened again, It right? better not happen again. I see this kind of nonsense, I'm gonna write you up. You understand? Do you understand? Yes, sir. You have to set an example, even in the face of stupidity. Now, everybody that reads comic books knows that Kirby Silver Surfer is the only true Silver Surfer. Now, am I right or wrong? <laughs> You're right, sir. All right. Get out of here. Yes, sir. Traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Folks, I'm your host. I guess you already know that by now by the voice. I am Debert, aka the Afronerd. This is the Midweek in Review edition of Afronerd featuring Captain Kirk. I just saw a quick, brief tweet from the great and uncanny Daryl B. He will be unavailable. At least I think so. He said that unfortunately he has something else to do, something work related, so we understand that. Um, if he can peep his head through, that could always happen, but for the duration, uh, we understand. Folks, feel free to buzz on in if you like, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. We gave you a full show, three hours. Why? Because normally we put so many topics on our plate. We give you such a full meal that we have a lot of leftovers. So, look, I was trying to get to some of those topics. We even, I even entitled it Topic Cleanups. But right before, a few hours before we go live, 
we hear that Henry Cavill, at least that's what's out there, actor Henry Cavill, has exited as Superman, the Man of Steel, and that names like Michael B. Jordan, Killmonger, might be perceived as a replacement. So that's ahead of everything else that we have on our plate. So there's just a lot to get into. I have a lot to expound on in regards to that topic. Man, we're going to get in it. So I, I really, I really do wish that Daryl and his animated self were here because I, I really, I mean, eventually we're going to find out how he feels about it. But I'm intrigued. And actually, his one of his favorite characters is Clark Kent, whereas you know the listener base they know I'm more on the Black Panther, Dark Knight side of the game. You could even throw in Barry Allen on top of that. Anyway. Let's just get into the herb alt groove. You know, you know that's an, another um, definite, definite chief component of the Afro Nerd Radio Machine. Urban alternative music, media, black rock and roll, Afro punk. I might have to revise that. Punk black. <laughs> I kid you not. There's a lot of shenanigans going on over there, but we'll give you the answers on that, at least our opinions. Anyway, um, let's go to. A classic. Let's go to a classic. This is this is the Ribald. <laughs> that's not the name of the that's not the name of the, the song or the group. It, this is the time. It's classic black rock, classic black music that is double entendre. So I don't want anyone to think I'm being a hypocrite. I'm gonna give you two minutes of this thing. Again, classic. You figure out what it's about. <laughs> it's called the stick. <laughs> I think they're talking about. We'll be right back, folks. Let's groove.
All right, folks, I was being self-indulgent. I just wanted to let that ride out just a little bit. Once again, classic black rock, courtesy of the Minneapolis Supergroup, The Time, produced by Jamie Starr, but you know who that gentleman is, or regrettably was, 1981, and that was from the titular, a self-titled, eponymous album, The Time. All right, let's just get into this. You know what time it is. This is, I just play the time. <laughs> you know what time it is, though. Anyway, beyond the gentleman, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk, and he is the captain. Captain, I want to beam you right into what is now a museum of sorts, Paisley Park. Let's get to it, sir. Captain Kirk. First off, I'm going to say this. Shout out to the great Darrell B. Three months ago, spoke about Henry Cavill, about being out with Superman. Boom. So, respected the, the great Darrell B. And quickly, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to hand it to the great Afro-Nerd because he's foaming at the mouth. He's about to get in your ass like a piece of toilet tissue. But I don't want to hear anything about Earth-23, you know, Calvin Ellis. I don't want to hear anything about that. Allegedly black Superman because that's how the geeks are going to do it. Some geeks will go ahead and do it. Superman needs to remain white. They haven't gotten Superman down correctly. Axe Darrow B as of yet in the theaters. Boom. Let's go, Afro Get into it. I know you're foaming that mouth. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Well, believe it or not. <laughs> no, you're okay. I was going to. I want to. I, I want to. Well, let me just mention one quick thing and, and then I'll try to revisit it before even the Superman story. Um, you know, as the listenership knows, we've been doing double, triple duty with expanding truly the Afro-Nerd radio machine. And in that expansion, we need your support. So, you know, I'm going to repeat this ad nauseum for obvious reasons. Patreon.com forward slash Afro-Nerd radio. Again, Patreon.com forward slash Afro-Nerd radio of funding you can provide. We would appreciate it. And it does help. It will help us to get into a studio, maybe even expand the YouTube presence, although we, got, we, we do have some things coming up, as you see. I, we even have more video clips that we, ha- we have uh, kind of just locked and loaded to, to put on the YouTube page, but the YouTube page is work in growing that. Um, I put out a special request for the, for the listeners, whoever is listening, because we have thousands of listeners per week, but for those who are stalwart listeners we would appreciate that when you do tweet when you tweet just simply hashtag afro nerd radio you know just as a habit if you can remember it where it's just kind of like uh, i know as a habit when i use the restroom especially in a corporate space in a public space i always grab after washing my hands of course i grab towels and i turn the knob and i do that just instinctively without even thinking about it and I, I'm training myself. I believe the captain is doing, doing it as well. When we tweet, we just put hashtag Afro Radio. That is a way to assist in our growth, helping us get more uh, prominence and name recognition and really allowing us to, 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 to discuss these matters, nerd matters, blurred nat- matters, sci-fi, all that stuff, politics, economics, what have you, from our perspective. Many folks seem to dig what we say and our take on things. If you want others to hear it, 
for it to grow. Hashtag Afrino Radio anytime you tweet. That's just one quick thing. Also, um, you know, when, we, when we're doing these location shots, when we, um, when we with our musings, we, we, there'll be interviews. Uh, shout out to Misty Knight, Simone Missick. She retweeted something. I think she retweeted one of my videos, actually. My Blade video. You may want to check that out. Uh, check that out on YouTube, where I talk about Wesley, Sli- Wesley Snipes revisiting or reprising the role uh, of Blade. And Ms. Missick, again, Ms. Misty Knight. She kind of retweeted it. So we're trying to get some things going, people. Anyway, wh- when we go into going to certain places, whether whether it's New York Comic Con, which is forthcoming, the Black Comic Book Festival in, Har- in Harlem, all kinds of ways that we try to, you know, have a, a certain kind of background. One place that's been in my mind is a section of Brooklyn called Weeksville, Weeksville, Brooklyn. Weeksville, Brooklyn is a historical landmark. It's a preserved neighborhood, a, pre- a preserved enclave that dates back to the 1830s that was essentially a black middle-class enclave, and it's, it's, it's part of a Weeksville Preservation Society, so you can go there. They even have period dressing that, that you can put on, I think, you know, with permission. You can put on the period dressing, and you can walk around, and after we get into the Superman nonsense, of, of a newspaper, I can't recollect the name of the newspaper right now. I think it was the Freedman, something to do with Fre- Freedman's Freedman's Gazette or something like that. Black newspaper. And you think we have issues when we talk about respectability politics. It makes me cry, Captain, when you see the mindset of, quote unquote, free people of color in the 1870s, 1860s, 1870s when they they put out very forthrightly what they thought people of color should be doing. They enumerated it in this newspaper, which I will pay, play a clip from a, uh, a, I believe it was a Vox. Was it Vox? I think it was, no, Vice. It was a Vice, quick Vice, like five-minute documentary about Weeksville, Brooklyn. All right, I'll, again, folks, this is the Africa Radio Show. I'm going to give you anecdotal data. That's what we do. Many of our listeners seem to dig it. All right, let's get into going from Weeksville, Brooklyn to <laughs> Metropolis. Um, word got out, some negotiations, I, I believe that's how the story is going. Now, negotiations broke down between the WB and Henry Cavill, and I think for the duration, because I, I think there's also um, – some tweets out there from an affiliate of Henry Cavill that's kind of saying that, well, it, the cape is the cape might still be hanging might still be hanging up in his closet. So some kind of something's going on. I don't know if it's necessarily so so succinct as we think, but for the moment they're saying that he left the role because of breakdowns in negotiations, and now we're hearing names like I think there's a number of actors that. They're connecting to potentially taking that role over. But Michael B. Jordan's name came up. And I also was feverish, 
feverishly. Show you how invested I am in this stuff. I was feverishly looking for contemporary podcasters like myself, like ourselves, to get their take on this. So I went to Collider. And you can support Collider. I have nothing against Collider. Collider on YouTube. And they were talking about it, chopping it up like we are. And they had a gentleman from Geeks of Color. And I think Geeks of Color, we may follow each other. I know I definitely followed them. And a gentleman from Geeks of Color, which is interesting because we talked about this, how some folks from the, from the community, some folks from the blurred universe, they're being co-opted into these mainstream, mainstream mediums. And uh, I don't know if it's for the best. I mean, look, look, you know, listen, I give everybody I, – I wish everyone the best when they get, get these gigs. But I was a little perturbed by this gentleman who was speaking about the subject because, they, you know, he was all for it. And this is a theme that I, that I, seem, to ha- I seem to get with some of these folks, whether it's Idris Elba as Bond, and now we have a similar refashioning of these canons where now, uh, you know, Mr. Jordan is attached to this stuff and he was just all for it. And, you know, anybody, anybody could do it. And I mean, come on, man. I said, what, what, what is going on? We, we don't, we don't have, we do not have real, I hate to be the arbiter. See, I'm not, I'm sounding like a hypocrite, but I, I, someone, someone has to be the arbiter of this blurred business to be the arbiter. Because now we're just letting people just fly willy-nilly. And when they do these things, when, when, they, when they just say, oh, it's all good, there's a larger picture that's at play. Now, we saw that Michael B. Jordan – first of all, I don't think Michael B. Jordan would take the role because he didn't have a great go of it with his take of the human torch. That was – I mean, that, that, that movie was an abomination anyway. And actually, I think he was – Less of an issue, although it was a distraction. It was it was somewhat problematic because they had to do a whole bunch of gymnastics to get that thing to kind of make some kind of sense. So now after after that situation, he wants to go to a, a higher tier character like Superman. Come on, I have more to say. I have more to say, folks. You too can join in. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Again, six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. And when you you know when you call in, simply press one. That way, it's a virtual hand raise, and we know that you want to you truly want to join in. Captain, give us your impressions of of all of this. Here's the thing, man. I'm a root cause guy. We got to stop playing these games. Let's stop acting like sex doesn't matter, race doesn't matter, age doesn't matter. Once we could start acting like these things do matter, then we can start solve our problems, our problems that we have with these things. But we can't ostracize ourselves in respect to them. Now, that being said, just how Black Panther mattered, if we go ahead and we don't, we're not talking about White Tiger or anything like that, <clears throat> far as the mythos is concerned, anything. We're just going to say Black Panther is now White Panther, which, which there's things in the mythos that can support that. What do you think happens with the black people 
who uh, were so much into this movie. You see? Because race matters. The movies at times are symbolic. You know, the symbol means something to you. <clears throat> now, if you start playing these games, look at Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is white. Let's make Wonder Woman black. Well, you have a character for that. You have Wonder Woman, allegedly, a sister, Nubia, who apparently, according to the mythos, can beat Wonder Woman. Bring that character in. You understand? She's made, that, made from black clay, according to the mythos. That's what you do when you do things of this nature. You know, if you want to bring in actually a black Superman, somehow, after you get the white character down correctly, right, you could bring in from another universe the black Superman. That works. And then you could turn around and say, okay, now we're going to do a solo movie. You have to understand, because a lot of people that see these movies, it's not just symbolic also. They don't know the mythos. They don't know the mythos. They don't know anything about this stuff. They just go in there and say, oh, I know Superman. Oh, this is my guy. I, you know, boom, let me just go. Wait a minute, you're going to make him black now? You know, it matters to people, the bottom line. So from my perspective, it's a bad idea. Let's deal with the real, why these characters, the way they look, what they do why they symbolic to you, why you resonate with certain characters, why it matters. Then we can start playing these games. Maybe in 100 years, maybe it's better. Maybe in 100 years is a lot worse. Who knows? You know, you know the way things are going. But maybe it's better. Maybe you do get the Star Trek world where you could just interchange anybody. It doesn't matter. Women, man, heterosexual, homosexual, transgender. doesn't matter, maybe. But at this point, it, doesn't, it does matter. You see, it does definitely matter because certain individuals you just resonate with. And in my opinion, Superman right now on the big screen should be a white man. That's just my opinion. That's how I feel about it. Just like I feel Wonder Woman needs to be a white woman. If I want to go black with it, I bring in Nubia. You understand? If I want a black Superman, I can bring in Earth-23 Superman. I can play that game according to the mythos. But there's a way to do it where it goes, of course, seamlessly, flawless. I'm just saying. Now, in my opinion also, too, this is just, as Afrinet and myself were talking behind the scenes, this is just like a little race baiting, testing the water. Let's see how people react. I don't think they're going to go here at all. I don't think they're going to go here at all. This is totally stupid. you know. And also, as I said before, when you're dealing with D.C., the problem with D.C. is a top-down prognosis. It's kind of like... You have a very, very good football team, right, as far as talent is concerned. But the team is not winning. Or they, they're, they're, they get a couple of hits there, here and there, but they should be maybe a 13-3 a and three team or a 12-4 and four team or 11-5, and five, you know. They're 7-9. and nine. So what do you start to do? You look at the coach and you look at the general manager and say, this got to be the problem because we got all the talent. And also the staff that – coaches up, you know, all the other players below, you know, the head coach, the offensive coordinator. You got to look at all of those things, everything that the head coach brought in and everything else. Because otherwise it doesn't make sense. So with D.C. with their problems and these type of decisions, as said before, it's a top-down situation. An executive has to sign off on the cinema photographer, the actors, the directors, you know, how much money that need, you need to do this location, 
Someone has to do that. They have to get approved somewhere because the money, you need money to do this stuff. How it's going to look, you know, get rid of this, get rid of that. You need the money. So I always said the problem was there. You see, your feet do not tell your head what to do. If you, if you get up in the morning and your feet just start going, something's wrong. You got to check into the hospital. Your head says, okay, let me move my legs here. You know, and that's what's happening. So the head over there always says it's not right. If you look at Marvel, it's a lot better. You know, it's just a lot better. Yeah, they make mistakes here and there, but overall it's just a lot better. They know what they're doing. DC look like, okay, let's get a shotgun. This is the target. Scatter pellet. Hopefully it's a moving target. We can hit it with the scatter pellet. You know, that's how they're operating over there. And that's a top-down decision. The head is not right. It's not telling the feet what to do. So it's very chaotic, you know. And when something is chaotic, extremely chaotic, every now and then you're going to get something, you would be like, oh, they did good on that Wonder Woman. You see what I'm saying? But most of the stuff that they do is not done well. You know, it's not done well. That's just my overall synopsis with this right now. I'll probably say a little bit more, but I'm anxious to hear how Afro-Nerd tears this up. Over to you, Afro-Nerd. Yeah, look, uh, shout out to John Hutton. Um, he is in the chat room, and he's saying, uh, let me read a couple of things that he's saying. He's saying, um, well, I guess he's really, well, first he was getting into Henry Cavill. Did he really want the job? He couldn't even be bothered to shave for the role. See, I don't know what timeline he's talking about because I'm aware. Okay, okay, he says there are things like fake mustaches. So he's talking about the whole issue with, I think that had a, that was like, well, that was a major thing, believe it or not. It, you, you figure it wouldn't, but it, it, it looked weird. Like that, the, the digital alteration of his face, it, it didn't look like Henry Cavill. It looked strange. People can tell when things are off. So that, that was just one of a number of things going on with the Justice League. It just wasn't – it was okay. I, I remember because I, I, the captain, we saw this. The captain was with, with, with me when we saw this. So we saw this, and we reviewed it. And there's some things that we got out of it as supporters of the genre. But, you know, when you put them up next to MCU, which I guess in some ways you really shouldn't do, but it's unavoidable, they, they just don't have it. They just don't have it. So um, I see that, that, um, that, that uh, John Hutton is, is referencing that. And also he's talking about Sodom Yacht, who is a Green Lantern. Uh, known as Ion, and I recollect that that um, Kyle Rayner was an was an Ion also. Where I think you get like the entire battery power, like you, you know, you're like your own lantern, like literally, you know. If, if people know the mythology, I'm going into deep geek, geek mode, but you, you're reliant on charging with the the battery. And I think you you're like almost omnipotent as as that particular type of Green Lantern. And um, Sodom Yacht character is an alien, but he said, why not a black version of that character? Well, I mean, I guess it's possible, but you already have Jon Stewart. We haven't, we haven't, got a, a, we haven't gotten a Jon Stewart film. And, and many people thought that going with Ryan Reynolds was the way to go. And, they, DC has this whole thing of not being able to read the room well. Because at the time, even at the time, now we're going back, I don't know, six or seven years now, 
But at the time that the Green Lantern film was released, we already had a decade of young folk that really weren't familiar with the Hal Jordan version of Green Lantern. They had already seen throughout their childhood a black Green Lantern. The black Green Lantern logistically was the standard. He was the standard. So I, I hear what John Hutton is saying. This is where, this is where I'm going to go with this thing, this is, which is so frustrating. And this is what I, I have a problem with the representation of the folks that are being brought in, that are being brought into the big house. I'm using that reference. You could, you can, you could dig in however you want to. You could perceive however that means, but I mean it how you think I mean it. These folks are being brought into the big house, and they're not, rep- they're not representing well. They're not representing well. Because, and this, is, this, is, this has been the linchpin of my argument with these folks that, are, that I think have low self-esteem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it that way, too. This is, this is a low self-esteem situation where, and I understand it, that many protected classes, women, minorities, LGBTQ folk, I'm just saying this as I'm putting a wide umbrella over some of this stuff. Many of the protected classes are so eager, and rightfully so, so eager for representation that they'll take anything. And when you do that, you are really shooting yourself in, in the foot. Having a black Superman deters the the ability of the studios and of the of the comic book publishers to hire the talent whether it's in art whether it's in writing whether it's in behind the screen and directing screenwriting as well as writing these comic books the the heavy lifting is in that realm the easy lifting is just to get a black guy. Let's just get a black guy. Fairly well versed in the mythology and some of this stuff. Going back decades, they addressed this. They, they, we've had waves of diversity. We've talked about this before. We've had waves, different periods of diversity initiatives in, in entertainment, right? So there was, there was a wave um, post the civil rights period preceding and, and going beyond the civil rights um, period, where they started, started to explore minority characters, right? That's how you end up getting a Robbie Robertson. Um, that's how you end up getting a, a uh, who else can I think of? R- Robbie Robertson, uh, John Stewart, definitely. These characters started coming into play in the late 60s, early 70s, right? Luke Cage, all, all of the characters. I'm thinking about, I was really trying to think of some of some more ancillary characters that you might not necessarily, I think there was even like a, I can't re- remember his name right now, but there was, a, there was a black character that worked at the Daily Planet that looked like a bespectacled Clark Kent, like a, a, a sepia-toned, bespectacled Clark Kent. I, I forgot his name. And he ended up marrying uh, Lois Lane's sister, and then uh, then that character like just disappeared somewhere. Like he was just a side character. He, he was just like you know, p- 
Terry White. I mean, he was a side character, but he was that that was an effort to show diversity, right? So you so they 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 have characters out there that they can just exploit at any moment. You know, some of the characters that we that we look at as being, you know, very integral to the scene really weren't major characters. Black Panther for decades for decades just kind of was the, the the character in the background of the Avengers. Like he was the 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 cool agile King King that kind of sort of had a Batman thing going on, but he, they really didn't give him much to do. Yeah, Lucius Lucius Fox is a, in, a, for, on the, in the Batman mythology, right? Exactly. That's a good example. That's a good example. I'll look up when we have a break. I'll look up the, the character that was uh, married to um, Lois Lane's sister. But anyway, um, like what's it? Was it Lana Lane? Yeah, Lana Lane. Anyway. Oh, is it Lana? I forgot Lois Lane's sister. Anyway, I'm, I'm losing my memory. There's, there's a lot. This stuff goes on forever. This stuff was a Lucy Lane. I don't know. Anyway, this stuff goes on forever. Any, so my main point here, Captain, is folks that are being brought into the big house that are just so giddy and so nonchalant where they say things like canon doesn't matter and we could just, you know, these characters are interchangeable. You know, we could have a black Superman. Yeah, Lucy Lane. Thank you. Thanks, John. Lucy Lane. So, what what is going on where we 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 can't see the bigger picture? And this kind of goes into. I'm not. I'm going to be repeating myself, Captain. But this kind of sort of goes into my discussion about having a black James Bond. Like, is it is unnecessary to have a just just someone just black take over the role? Too lazy. It's too lazy. Yeah, you're. T- I'm going back to John. Yeah, Pete Ross. He was race bended for Smallville, but that's not who I'm talking about as far as who was in the newsroom, in the comic books. I'll look it up. So, if you have a black James Bond, just like you have a black Superman, in the Superman in Superman's mythology, it goes to show you how there's like a. Uh, a, a progression to some of this stuff going back like 30 40 years ago when they had this this minority initiative they they decided to say oh well you know what they were black kryptonians right so they they actually introduced the concept of black kryptonians but they were very sloppy about how they dealt with race you know if you look at some of these old older stories from the late 60s they they they, they wouldn't they wouldn't you know, they, they're almost embarrassing about how people, the, the awkwardness in trying to deal with the racial issue. So in Krypton, on Krypton, they had a separate island called Bathlo Island. B as in Victor, A, T as in Tom, H, L, O, Bathlo Island. And Bathlo Island was a separate black community of Kryptonians. Right now, why they were separate? You see how that's done? Like instead of it, it took like a few years after that for someone to say, well, they really shouldn't be separate. But that's that's how. I mean, if you're in a in an in an advanced culture, why are you separating black folks from white print? They didn't know how to address blackness. So, 
you have that. There's even a more current character from a character from a separate Earth called Val uh, Val Zod. Val Zod. I think there's talk about there even being a black quote unquote Superman in the CW. But the CW is a little, believe it or not, the CW is, is a little bit neater when they deal with some of this stuff. They're a little bit neater. I'm pretty sure they're going to have probably some variant of Val Zod as opposed to what they might want to do with Michael B. Jordan, even if that's a real consideration, even if that's a real consideration. But these people that are being brought, Captain, these people that are being brought in to these, these spaces to talk about this stuff with, such, with this, this giddy nature, they never talk about the big picture. The big picture is there's more excitement there's more completeness. There's more money, and there's more power when you develop your own s, your own ish. I saw pictures on Twitter from Dragon Con that showed Wakanda. Everyone's so into Wakanda that you had people that were cosplaying as different characters. I mean, you saw how people are so invested in that. Because you have your own ish. Yeah, it's courtesy of Disney. Okay, yeah, we can, go, we can talk about that. But the bottom line is, it is, it is your mythology. Black folks got, have this thing where they think they don't, they don't have cultural currency or cultural value. Even though it's Disney, it's still black. It's still, it's still black cultural value. Okay, so if you have a, a, a black Superman, with his own things. Like, just like you have, for all intents and purposes, you have a black Spider-Man. He has his own, his own worldview. He is a- uh, African-American and Latin. He has, his own, he has his own costume. He has his own group of friends. He, he, he's his own entity. And I suspect we're going to end up seeing just how deep the rabbit hole goes when the Spider-Verse animated effort comes out this December. But I, I feel invested in this Spider-Man. Damn why these, these people don't seem to get that. If you, again, I just went into it. I'm going to put the, put the, uh, I'm going to put the link to the Afrener.com piece where I went into the, this, went into the, the, uh, blacks, the black 007. When I went into it, he has his own car. He has his own catchphrases. He has his own way of dressing. He has his own backstory. Um, he has his own culture. He doesn't. He might not drink uh, a martini, a dry martini. He may. He may drink something from from a, from the speakeasy Harlem Renaissance period. See how this goes? I would want to see that guy versus shaken, not stirred, Bond, James Bond. We could have our own T-shirts. We could have our own conventions. You could have your own worldview, or you could just you could just take the white guy's role. Get your own ish. This is not real. I don't think this is this is this is even more offensive as well. And I see that Sergio is in the chat room. He says, "Hey, I don't know about Superman. I can't tell one from another. Cavill looked like that guy who who played Superman before him. I'm not going to go that far." All I know is that I saw the new trailer for Venom, and if that film isn't rated R, that it's, then it's bull. I don't know what's going on with, with Venom. I have no idea. 
Uh, that, that's it for me on this subject. I mean, again, it's, it's funny that it, it came off this article. I mean, well, this, this, the internet, the cyber webs went, went down a few hours before we were going live, but, um, and you're, and also this, this situation, and we spoke about this behind the scenes, this is the kind of thing <laughs> that's going to bring us into the civil war part two. I can see it already. Captain, speak, speak on that. And then we'll move on to something else. I didn't get a chance to check out the piece that um, the the article, but you said there were comments that were not kind, as you can expect. Listen, listen, man. Once I saw the article, you know, when it popped up, I thought it was just bogus, man. I thought just as we were saying behind, it was um, race baiting and everything else, but it came from a, a reliable source. So I said, okay, maybe there's something's going on with this. You know, maybe there's something going on. I said, the first thing you do when you go, when something like this happens, let me look at the comments. <laughs> the white man was going crazy. You know, for everything. All right, we got to take Black Panther then if they're going to do this. You know, we, we, we got to take that. <laughs> That's just one thing. Oh, okay. Black people think they're going to take over. I'm like, look at this, man. Some of this stuff. Some of the things they were crazy, they were crazy, man. That was they were saying. It was hilarious, you know. It's sinful, it's shameful, but at the same time, they butt really hurt, man. They butt really hurt, you know. It really hurt. Well, you know something, Captain. <laughs> you, you know, you know yeah. something, Captain. What, what they should do. Now again, I'm almost, I'm almost on the point. At the point now where I want to draft some kind of just formal letter letter to Warner Brothers, okay, look, you need to follow these instructions and then call the day. We can get on top of this stuff to straighten out your situation right now. Right now, we can straighten it out. Now, what they might be doing, because you know, look, you, you have a new head over there uh, at DC Entertainment, right? I forgot the gentleman's name. He's of Japanese descent. Is it Nakamura? I, I can't recollect the gentleman's name. But I, I applaud that we have a man of color in that positioning, and he wants to shake things up. So I get that. But I, as, as you were talking, it just came to me. Now, if they were smart, which they're not, and having seen, <laughs> having seen what I – should, I should do a video on this, actually. Um, having seen what Black Panther did, again, having your own ish and rallying around it. You saw crazy, rich, crazy, crazy, rich Asians. You're seeing yep. things now, okay? You're seeing the way the world is. You're seeing Kaepernick as much as these, these mayors and, these, and all these, all these uh, organizations, all kinds of people are relinquishing affiliations oh from Nike. All that's going on, even though the stock dropped for like a second, sales went up by 30%. Yeah. So, the way of the, we just saw the, what, the new Miss America, Miss USA, I'm not even paying attention to that. It's a woman of color. I think from New York, correct? Ratings down, though. <laughs> One well, yeah, well, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, we, yeah. yeah we, got, we could even talk about that, but we understand that. That, that, that was a given, <laughs> right? But, yeah. What, what, I, what I'm thinking of is if they're smart, if they're going to use a Michael B. Jordan 
and that and they want to do a fake out they need to bring the icon movie on deck okay with milestone cuz milestone has been laying in wait for years uh there was a, there was a great deal of expectation a great deal of excitement when there was talk about milestone 2.0 now, if you do a Milestone 2.0 and you bring in Icon, who is a black Superman, right? He is part of the DC universe, right? But that character, you got to bring in someone like a like a Steve McQueen. Ryan Coogler's already taken. Um, you got to get you've got to get someone of note. Maybe even John Ridley. Get those two back again. I think there was bad blood over 12 years of slave, but money could smooth out a lot of issues. You bring in John, John Ridley, who is, who is a comic book, who is a blurred, bring in someone. It's got to be somebody heavy, okay? Someone like almost Nolan-esque, but from a black perspective. You get Michael P. Jordan as an alien who doesn't look like a black person. This is I'm giving, giving the, the audience the mythology. Is it's the 1800s. Earth is visited by aliens, but Earth is quite primitive in 1840 or whatever it is. This alien has the ability to adapt to the DNA of whatever creature they encounter when they visit. Well, here, we just go. here we go. Here we go. Well, look, this, this is. I know where you're going. I know where you're going. <laughs> but this would be a game. This would be a game changer, okay? You you have the alien, again, you you got to have real science fiction, real dramatics-ish. Can't make it, you know, it's got to be real. You have the alien visit Earth 1840. The alien, uh, his, his uh, ship crash lands into a plantation at night. He sees, the first thing, he sees this crazy-looking alien, the first thing that he sees is a slave. Well, that's, that's the mythology. And he adopts the slave's visage, and even down to the DNA level, because that's, that's what they do, he is permanently black. That's the mythology. But he is immortal, or close to immortal. So, from, so you see from the 1840s to the present day how this now black alien adopts. It's, it's Kal-El was Kal El from a different perspective, and he's a black Republican from the Frederick Douglass days. Okay, so he—that's a more interesting. That's radically different. That's interesting. And then, you see what I'm saying? Now that's what you should do. Now you, so for all intents and purposes, you have a black Superman. You already have it, and DC owns the character. Yep. That's. The, Get away! I mean, if you, you, right now there's so much awkwardness in dealing with um, Superman. They don't know how to do it. But if you if you bring this in, and DC, I'm pretty sure is because they they mirror each other. They're trying to tap into all that complexity. See, the, the, uh, Black Panther changed the game because there was a lot of cultural complexity, a lot of cues. A lot of tears. It's a lot of stuff going on with Black Panther through a comic book movie. The best way to tap into that same kind of thing is to do an icon movie. 
Now, that's what Michael B. Jordan should be on. That's what he should be pitching. So that way we can get away from Superman for a minute and then revisit Superman. I like that. But these guys are... These guys are slobs. Because I'm hearing all kinds of nonsense they want to do. And that's what they do. Different costume, similar powers, different storyline. You know, a black man that's got all this power, but he's, he's moving through time. So you see some of the, you see some of the racism. He sees, he sees Dr. King. He sees Malcolm X. He sees Marcus Garvey. He sees the Harlem Renaissance. That's what I'm talking about. Now, that's what I'm talking about. That might be a killer right there. If you got oh, the yeah. right person. Hell, you might want to break out. You know, look, you, you kind of got to have a black guy to do it because if you're trying to match it, I'd almost want to see Tarantino do something like that. That's just me. I don't have to have a color coded quite that way if, if the oh. right guy does it. Now, that's, that's just my opinion. Now see, see John Hutton like said, yeah, one. they did. Now John Hutton mentions cowboys and cowboys versus aliens. Yeah, that that when I was saying it, I that came to my mind. That did come to my mind. But this is look, we understand what that was, and that 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 didn't work. This would work. You got to you got to get the right director. Uh, that was um, what's his name from Iron Man, cowboys and versus aliens. I mean. The concept of cowboys and aliens was very interesting. It just—I don't know—they had to start. They had the star star power, Daniel Craig, you know, um, Harrison Ford. I mean, it should have worked. It just—but this is something else. This this is this is Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism again. I think I figured it out. I think I figured it out. If somebody's listening. Stay stay away from some of this stuff that they're trying to do. They're trying to they're trying to kind of refashion and, and, and fix something that's already broken. It's not going to go down that way. It's just not. That's just one. That's just a tip. Matter of fact, uh, and I'm going to go to a musical break because we have a lot. We have a lot more. We have two hours of show. Um, I forgot the young lady's name. That's in Blackish. This this, this gentleman, the gentleman that was from Geeks of Color. The, the young lady that is, uh, I believe, going to Harvard, Yahiri Yashidi, I think her name is, very attractive young young lady. She she he said, look, I can I confess, I like the idea, but I also know, come on, man, we, we you can't appeal. You, 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 I'm on that Michelle Rodriguez thing. Let white people have their heroes. Um, Yara Shahidi, pardon me for that mix up. Yara Shahidi. She's currently, I believe, a Harvard or Yale um, freshman. And uh, and um, he brought up her name for being Supergirl. Okay, you, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Hey, look, wouldn't I want to see? Wouldn't I want to see a black Supergirl? Yeah, yeah, I would. But look, they got a black Power Girl. They, so in essence, I mean, they, they got this covered. She's over, she's in Grownish as of this day. She's kind of went, gone to a different thing. She's in she's I think she might be in both shows, but she's in Blackish and she has her own thing called Grownish. Um, while she's you know in college in real life, she's in college also 
uh, I think on on definitely in Gronish. So, yeah, you know, would I want to see this woman as, as Supergirl? But she doesn't have to be literally the, that Supergirl. There is a Power Girl that's African that's African American. I'm just saying, we got to stop this, man. We got to stop it. All right. So let's get out of this. We we will revisit it on Sunday or, or something thereafter. Um, I, I you know, I'm curious as to, as to how this plays out as time uh, goes on. You see, uh, uh, Captain tweeted out the origin of uh, Icon. Let's get into that. Matter of fact, Icon. You see, you got the whole. You, that thing is way complex. It might it might even be more complex than Black Panther. Might be, or definitely on a certain. Similarly, but that's just whereas Black Panther was an African story, Icon would be the bookend as a truly African American story and all about Afrofuturism and what it means to be black from this with with this character adopting a white I'm sorry adopting a black identity that on a DNA level I mean for all intents and purposes it's not like he can change back so he is black. And he has to kind of you, – you see a certain perspective of blackness where he has he, – he's living this life on an adopted planet. I think that would be a far more compelling story than the same old, you know, Lex Luthor and all that kind of stuff. And It is. I, look, it makes sense. It's not going to get done. All right. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> you know, I keep on talking about this because I, I'm excited about – the potential, like to me, as a pitch, this makes sense. But people had problems pitching Black Panther, but it made one point three, one point four billion dollars. Black Panther on paper probably doesn't make sense to some of these folks. But you got this character here. You have this character. All right. Hold on, hey, hold, on hold on, hold on. Let me let me just read this. You know, you know, I like reading powers and abilities. Sure, <laughs> sure. This is Icon now. Sure. Superhuman strength. Icon possesses superhuman strength that is on par with Superman's. <laughs> superhuman speed and reflexes. Icon possesses the ability to think, move, and react at superhuman speed. Superhuman stamina. You don't have to get into that. Flight. Icon flies by manipulation of gravitons, manipulation of magnetic fields. And utilizing his superhuman speed, Icon can fly far beyond supersonic speeds. That's a bit different from Superman, the way he flies. But, you know, superhuman senses, Icon possesses superhuman sight, smell, smell, taste, touch, and hearing. Enhanced mental perception, Icon possesses the ability to comprehend things on levels far above human capability. I like that. (laughs) Invulnerability. Icon seems to be invulnerable, extremely durable, able to withstand bullets, temperature, and pressure extremes, and powerful energy blasts without energy, without injury. He can even survive in the vacuum of space. That's very Superman. <clears throat> okay, you got regenerative healing factor. You get that. Energy generation. Icon has the ability to generate and control a radiant energy based on positrons. That's nice. Concussive force bolts. Icon can release positron energy from the hands as bolts of concussive force. That's pretty nice. 
Okay, okay, okay. All right. He got some other powers, but I didn't read off all of that. And he has fighting skills and all this other stuff, things that Superman doesn't necessarily have. <laughs> so it's pretty good. It's pretty good, man. His power set's pretty good, man. It's pretty good. You know? Let, let me, let me, since you do it, because we're talking, because it sounds fly. Let me read a little yes. bit about this. Let me, let me read a little bit about this um, character's biography. Matter of fact, Reginald Hudlin, the great director, Reginald Hudlin, of the Hudlin brothers, right? Warrington and Reginald Hudlin, Boomerang and so forth. Um, I, think the, I think the Hudlin brothers are also behind uh, uh, House Party, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, um, he uh, responded when I, because I mentioned this before, with my Ajita and OCD, I mentioned this on Twitter about that why why not why aren't they exploring an icon movie? And of course you know he co signed that. <laughs> he co signed <laughs> that real quick. You know, I was happy to get a shout out from Misty Knight earlier today. But when mm-hmm. and I, I, I we follow each other. I mean he's willing to come on the show. I, I gotta just make that happen. I gotta make that because he said he would he's willing to come on the show. I think not but he did not want to talk about Black Panther. Maybe he can talk about it okay. now. But at the time when there was a talk of a Black Panther movie, he because you know uh, again, Russell Hutland is uh, is a you know he was a, he was a a uh, head of entertainment at BET. He is a Harvard grad. He's a comic book aficionado. He's also uh, one of the principals on media. So anyway, um, he co-signed the idea of an icon movie. That's where DC needs to go. They need to leave Superman the hell alone right now. Okay, so let me read a little bit about this, and then we're going we're gonna to go to a groove, and then we're going to talk about, unfortunately, some d- disheartening information. The gentleman in Texas that was shot uh, while black and while being a professional and educated in his own goddamn apartment. <laughs> we'll talk about that. Anyway, this is the fictional character bio, right? This is from Wiki. In 1839, as I said, 1840s, in 1839, an alien starliner malfunctioned and exploded, jettisoning a life pod in the middle of a cotton field in the American South. The pod automatically altered the appearance of its passenger named Arnis to mimic the first sentient life form who discovered him. The life form was an enslaved black woman named Miriam who saw the pod crash land as her son. In the present, Arnis is still alive, he did not age visibly beyond adulthood. To disguise this fact, he periodically assumes the identity of his own son. By the late 20th century, he is posing as Augustus Freeman IV, the great-grandson of his original human identity. Still marooned, Arnis slash Freeman waits for Earth's technology to catch up to his life pods, secretly possessing superpowers that belie his human appearance. He has always performed quiet acts of charity. However, when Freeman's house is broken into, <laughs> this is where he becomes the Afro nerd. See, this, this is my this is my story. Anyway, however, <laughs> when Freeman's house is broken into, he uses his powers for the first time in decades. Action witnessed by one of the intruders, Raquel Irvin, an idealistic teenage girl was born in Paris Island, the poorest, most gang-ridden neighborhood in Dakota City. Her, her prospects seem fairly bleak until this encounter with Freeman, 
After seeing Freeman use his powers, Raquel persuades him to become a superhero named Icon with herself as his sidekick, Rocket. All right. There's something going on there. Okay, let me read this this part so people can, for S and Giggle, so they can make the obvious Afro-nerd connection. Personality. Icon is portrayed as a very intelligent, somewhat stiff kind of person. Due to his upper... (laughs) 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 Let's go. Okay, hold on, hold on. Due to his upper-class job as a corporate lawyer and proper way of speaking, criticizes being a sellout or whitewashed. Icon usually perverts through everything by the book instead of acting on instinct. During the majority of his series, he, is mostly, he mostly fought plain street criminals and those who gained powers from Dakota's Big Bang. All right. So this, they will definitely have to have me brought in as some kind of consultant for a fee to straighten out this character. But, all jokes aside, uh, first of all, I don't think Michael B. Jordan would be the right character, the guy for this. But, you know, I will go with it. That's who, if they're going to do a black Superman, that's the guy. That's the guy. They may be doing a fake out on us, Captain. They might be, mm-hmm. they might be doing a fake out. They might. Because in essence, he is black Superman. He is. Because mm-hmm. it's DC. And he's black. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, this is the Midweek in Review. <laughs> you know, who would have thought that this, this is, would be a highly charged issue? I was thinking it was going to be like a 10-minute discussion, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, no, more invested in it. I'm more invested than I need to be in some of this stuff, but I just am. I want these, I want these <laughs> folks to they – need to, they need to bring me in, bring you and me and, and Daryl B. They need to stop dealing with these, these, these jokers that are so happy to be there, and they're talking about – uh, yeah. Oh, this is cool. Black Clark, Black Clark Kent. I'm so giddy. I'm so happy. This is a great idea. No, it's not. No, it's not. Anyway, people, let's groove. Michelle Indegio Cello. I wonder if I take you home. This is a remake. Wow. Lisa Lisa. Her okay. version. Two minutes. <laughs>
right. Great musician. I happened to check her out live a few years ago at Afropunk, and she was, you know, very comfortable. You know, she was very that, – that was definitely uh, a spot that you would want to hear. You know, all the problems that we've been hearing with the Afropunk Festival, with commercial music and so forth, she's definitely that herb alt multi-instrumentalist musician that you would want to see there versus Pusha T. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Michelle Indege Ocello, I wonder if I take you home, which is a cover of Lisa Lisa's, Lisa Lisa and the Cult Jam going back, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago. Anyway, folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. The call-in number remains ever the same, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. So let's get into this story. Um, it is bizarre. It's bizarre. It's frightening. Touch of lower-tier backwash and how it happened. Now, what do I mean by lower-tier backwash? I think that – well, I, I, I don't even want to say I think. I'm, I'm pretty – self-aware that you know black black males you know we are we are stigmatized we're stigmatized this man worked for price waterhouse he was an accountant he was a recent college graduate maybe a few years out of college uh you saw his appearance i think he's from uh um saint lucia he was uh by all stretch of the imagination and looking at his bio now, I know that folks will say, well, it doesn't matter what he It doesn't matter, blah, 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 blah. It matters to me. We practice respectability politics. I'm more compassionate when I think you're not a nog. I'm going to say clear, clear as the, the day. I'm more compassionate. I have compassion. I have compassion, irrespective of race. But there are tears to this. There are levels. This man, I, can, I see myself in that young man. I see myself. Uh, I see a reflection somewhat. You know, he's he's going to be honorable, professional, minding his own business. You know, I mean, what's the deal? He's in his apartment. Nothing's going on. Still finds death. Grim Reaper knocked on his door as a police officer. So let's play this clip courtesy of CBS News. And it is, um, it's frightening. Hold on. A white Dallas police officer is free on bond this morning after being charged with manslaughter in a bizarre shooting that left the black man dead inside his own home. Off-duty police officer Amber Geiger is accused of killing Botham John. The officer allegedly told investigators she mistook his apartment for her own and shot and killed him after she went inside. Omar Villafranca is at the Dallas apartment complex. Omar, good morning. Good morning. Detectives Rangers have taken over this investigation, but there are still a lot of questions. Like, what exactly happened on the fourth floor of this apartment complex? Why did a sheriff department almost 30 miles away arrest her when she lives two blocks from Dallas Police Headquarters? And why did it take almost three days until she was arrested? Amateur video captured late last week appears to show the moments after an off-duty Dallas police officer allegedly shot and killed 26-year-old Botham Jean. You or I would be arrested if we went to the wrong apartment 
and blow a hole in a person's chest, killing them. Jean family attorneys and local politicians railed against the Dallas Police Department for failing to make a timely arrest in the case. Got to make certain that we're sure in Texas, no separate standard as it relates to police officers when they commit these types of crimes. Get some uh, crime scene tape up here on the fourth floor. Dallas police say Officer Amber Geiger, who has been with the department for four years, told them she mistakenly entered Jean's apartment after her shift, thinking it was her own. She was still in uniform when she encountered Mr. Jean in the apartment. At some point, she fired her weapon, striking the victim. Details about what happened directly before the shooting remain unclear. He was my pride and my joy. But John's family members continue to search for answers. There are times when you feel like giving up. I could not give up because of both of them. I'm right now in his death. I can never give up. Officer Geiger is now on paid administrative leave. The Dallas County District Attorney plans to have a press conference later on this morning and hopefully we'll learn some more answers. Vlad? Omar, thank you very much. That's a disturbing story. All right, folks. Um, wow, this is... Uh, this might be worthy of a Jordan Peele movie. <laughs> yep. It really might be. Right I mean, there? this... this what happened now? Now you see that there? You just see that there. It's crazy, right? It's totally crazy, man. It's totally crazy. Now, some people have said, why was this apartment door open? Did she have a key and whatnot and everything else? Apparently, they said that his apartment door was left open. Now, maybe, even though that's totally irrelevant, but you have to address it. You know, it's relevant, but it's irrelevant. Put it that way. Maybe because some people do this. He had his girlfriend was maybe about to come over. He said, look, the front door is just open. Just come on in. You know? People do do that. That's common practice. That's common practice. People do things like that. Don't worry. I'll be in the back room. You just come right in, especially if you're not in a high crime area. Now, again, it's relevant, but it's not relevant. What was that cop on, you know? All that needed to be done also, too. If she's arrested right away, you could check her blood. You could do all that stuff and see what the deal was. That's part of it, too. You know, 15-hour shift or not, you know. You got, you got to look at all of this stuff. That whole area dropped the ball big time on it. Now, we can get into, you know, why they dropped the ball. If it was going the other way around, it would not have dropped the ball. We've seen enough cases like that. But they dropped the ball on the whole case, man. She effed up. Nothing more to talk about. She effed up. Bottom line, based on the way the story was presented, that's that. You you effed up, man. Time lag. And a lot of times, and I don't want to generalize when it comes to police, but they generalize with us, you know, black people. When there's that time lag in those type of situations, the department, a lot of times, not all the time, a lot of times, not all the time, knows it was a major F up. So they're given time to get their stuff together. A lot of times it works that way. Not all the time. But we're going to see how this plays out in respect to this. Back over to you, Afternoon. Yeah, you know, you're hearing so many different versions going on. 
because um, shout out to the gentleman that runs the advice show, or I think it's called the advice show or the, the advise show maybe. And uh, he's got a good little thing going on there. It goes to show you that when mainstream media are lacking, especially when it comes down to the need for black news, you know, there's, there's this whole thing, BET and all this stuff. It, it really is amazing when, you, you know, for a number of years, I remember years ago, it, it, it used to be a commonplace and expected to have black reporters, I mean, you know, your own black imprint. Now, all of a sudden, we're being told that the, 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 the ratings don't warrant a black imprint for news. But I remember the, the McCrary report, which was a local thing. You had Like It Is, which was kind of a, um, uh, his, I guess, the archival public affairs show with the late Gil Noble. Um, uh, you had a few, you had a few notable black newsmen out there, journalists, and you, not that you still, not that you don't, but. Um, we're in a different space now, allegedly. But I'm seeing some stuff on YouTube and on the Internet where these people are kind of crafting this thing for themselves, and they're getting sizable audiences because there's the belief that black folks don't, aren't interested in news, when obviously they are. So the, the advice show or the advice show on YouTube, I think he has maybe 800,000 subscribers. and. He showed video footage of of a young lady. I think she might have been maybe a, a reporter with his thing. She was going to the because I believe he's out of Texas. He he's out of Texas. This particular gentleman. So this this young lady went to the apartment. They had a camera, and they clearly showed these are electronic locks. So there's a belief that the door was locked. And they show okay. that when, when, when you have the key, when you have a key, not, not necessarily the correct key, but if you, have, if you have an apartment key and you try to go into an apartment that is not yours, not only will it not engage, but a red light comes on. When it is okay. your key and it engages, a green light comes on. Okay. So it's virtually impossible for a person to get into an apartment that's not theirs. And especially if, because I, I think there's some credence to her believing it was her apartment. Because that, that kind of stuff can happen. You know, wasn't mm-hmm. there a joke? I even mentioned a, a kind of a running joke in um, uh, Random Acts of Flyness, Terrence yep, Nance's thing. Car. Yeah, different cars. And and yeah. there was a white woman who saw this was this is for S and Giggles, but you know he's got a whole thing about trying to show a slice of black life. In random acts of flyness, courtesy of HBC, HBO, the the white owner of the vehicle, two identical cars parked in front of each other. This guy got into a vehicle that was unlocked. See, this mm-hmm. is kind of weird. Funny how how this stuff art imitates life, or vice versa. Um, he got into the car, quickly realized the differences. He quickly realized it was not his car, but the white owner was standing out there and quickly went to the police, quickly went to, 
to the to the uh, to the phone quickly. Now, what's analogous is if she did go into the apartment thinking it was really her apartment, and the knee jerk reaction is somebody's in my in my apartment, you know, it, it's a grotesque mistake because allegedly uh, her apartment was on a, I think on the third third floor. There's a difference of a floor. Either she went to the went to the fourth floor. And There's a difference of a floor. Yes. Different, yeah, difference of a floor. Fourth or third floor. She was a same apartment, different floor. But he 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 had a red mat, and maybe maybe even a different color on the door. But you you hear that she went, she just came out came back from a fifteen hour shift or something. Mm-hmm. So you know. You're going to be punch drunk. Punch drunk. You shouldn't even be allowed to really work the log those kind of hours. It's it, it's it's a recipe for disaster. But you're, you're hearing witnesses say that she she was demanding entrance. This is like twelve o'clock in the morning, so she's demanding demanding to enter. So that sounds more like an alcohol problem to me. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So she mm-hmm. she's the, so the 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 witnesses say that she's yelling let me in let me in let me in and then you know he opens the door gets shot his his last words were what why did you do that I mean and then you hear that there, there might have been some kind of it's been debunked but there's like some Facebook page or something that shows a picture of these two as if they would knew each other but now they're saying that's not really the case. So it, it just it, it really is a crazy story, and you know people that are vouching for for uh, Mr. John, um, they're saying that he wouldn't keep his door open. But like you said, I didn't think about that. Like you said, if it's you know Paramore, hey, I'm coming over. Look, we've all gone through that. <laughs> so yep. I'm not. I we've can't even it. lie. I can't even lie done it, man. That, I, that I've gotten that call. The door is open. I need some midnight healing. Yeah. Yes. But see, yes. see the problem I have, the, pro- the problem I have, why did they take so long to arrest her? That's normally I mean, never good. Well, look. That's, we, that's, you know, that's normally, you know. That's the police tap. Normally down. not a good situation, man. Let me bring in. Uh, let's bring. Let's bring in our friend from Chicago, the uh, great cineast, formerly of Shadow and Act, Sergio Mims. Serge, sir, your thoughts. Well, you know, I what? I really was not planning to call in today. I really wasn't. But yes, you, you started talking about this case, and first of all, I have a friend who's related to the to the victim. Mm. Um, okay. Uh, he's a professor at Northwestern University. See, look at that. Look at that pedigree. Hold on. Look, see, see Captain. This is this is why I I go I, I go eighth S. Look at that pedigree. This is not Shaquan Jenkins. This is not Laquisha Jackson. It's not. There's a difference. This this man's pedigree. He's smiling. I don't see no pink do rags. I don't see I don't see any blunt on the table. I, I don't I don't see any weird purple hair. This is a, a Price Waterhouse associate. Young man, onward and upward, and now he's been erased. He's he, the snapshot, the snapshot for real. 
Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. But, I get emotional. But I limbic system. I was talking to I, a friend of mine. We had a long discussion about this, and this is a very, very baffling case. Okay, so what if witnesses say the door was locked, right? Which means that she could not get in because she had the wrong key. So therefore, he means he must have opened the door. All right. Okay. Heard somebody trying to get in and open the door, right? Um, the other thing is that I'm not sure this whole thing about this relationship has been debunked. Even the lawyer, or I, I should say one of the lawyers, there's more than one lawyer, is saying, I, I'm talking about the lawyer for the family of the victim, is, has been hinting that there was some kind of well, I know what he's trying to do, but hinting that perhaps there was really some kind of relationship between Jean and the cop. All right. Then there's another problem with the cop's family. There are pictures of her with her family where one of the relatives seems to be giving the white power sign. You know, it looks like an okay a double white power sign. And he claims that that's not true. He claims that he was trying to say 69 because the father was 69 years old and that also he's Mexican, he's Hispanic, he's not a white nationalist. But then there are claims of other photographs where he's making the same sign. And there's a picture of the mother or somebody wearing an All Lives Matter T-shirt. This is a very bizarre story. I, and I've seen that picture. And I've seen the picture of the guy, like, giving, he claims it's 69. I, I don't know. Um, uh, it, it, this is a very bizarre story. And and the, um, I don't know if the truth is really going to come out about it. Because on all pages, this does not make sense. At all. It, it doesn't. It it really doesn't. I mean, this this right. is. Look, we, we talk about a, a rash of cases where the police are called for nothing, and it, it, there's been an escalation towards this kind of thing, Sergio. There really has. You know, you know look, I don't. I, I'm saying some things to be kind of just funny. I, I don't support any any uh, person, whatever station in life. You know, I, I'm not. I wasn't born with a silver spoon. I, I was very fortunate, though. Very fortunate. I will say that much. Close to a silver spoon. If I was, if I had Trump. Trump money, that would be a whole different situation. But I, 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 I was born in very, very um, fortunate circumstances. But uh, this kind of thing, I, this really is, this is next level, man. This is next level. Well, it, it's it's kind of similar to what's happening here in Chicago. There's, they're right now they're getting ready to do the trial of Laquan, of Laquan McDonald. I know you hear the name Laquan McDonald. Oh I yeah, know of Laquan. course. Right. But Laquan McDonald, I don't know what kind of news it has made in around the country, but That's but this big. has been a major major story in Chicago for the last year and a half. It's one of the main reasons why Rahm Emanuel announced earlier this, uh, I should say announced last week, that he's not running for re-election. It's because of this case. You know, if this case goes either way, if the cop is found guilty, Rahm Emanuel is screwed because it's always believed, and I believe it, that he hit the tape that showed what really happened, or at least had knowledge of what was on the tape. If the cops get off, 
already the cops' lawyers are predicting a riot. They're saying that to get the venue moved to out of out of the city, you know. But if he's found not guilty, God knows what's going to happen. Um, but once again, here's a case of a cop. Clear. I mean, if you've seen this video, clearly, clear. This is this is not a mistake. This is not um, uh, vague. You clearly see a cop empty the entire round on a young black man with mental problems who was not a threat. He was walking away from the cop. This cop emptied an entire clip on this kid and then was loading another clip in his gun before another cop came and stopped him. Yeah, I saw the video. The video was very um, tragic and harrowing. Because I, wasn't there wasn't talk of him maybe having a knife in his hand? But he was such he was such a distance. He was like walking away though, out of the trajectory. Yeah, yeah, of the he police. was walking he was away. Coming down there, but he's walking yeah, he away. He didn't have to he pop him. Away. Did not look, have to pop him. Look, we've seen a fair share of similar, you know, um, uh, it, what is it called? The EDPs, emotionally disturbed person. Yes. That's the acronym acronym mm-hmm. they use in in, yeah. in uh, New York mm-hmm. lingo or whatever. We we see a, a number of them where you have. A disturbed individual that has like a long knife or some kind of sword, and he, he or she is dancing. But then you see that there's some restraint. But then this person is like in a crowd and then starts charging. Like once you see that person starting to charge, they get put down. In a Laquan no, McDonald situation, we saw him kind of kind of like dancing a little bit. He was kind of walking away. No, he, he wasn't, wasn't dancing. Tra- no, no, he wasn't dancing. What what happened was that. The police, or skipping. first of all, this didn't get news when it happened, but the police originally said, originally said that he charged at the cop with a knife, and then the cop shot him twice, right, to stop him. Okay, and it wasn't until the autopsy was leaked, and it wasn't until that video was leaked, and it, it was a, it was a report that had to go to court. It had to wait a year before a judge ruled that the tape could be released. The, the, yep. the, uh, McDonald did not charge the cop. There was no threat of danger. He wasn't shot twice. He was shot over and over again. He was shot an entire clip. Well, let's right. let's go back to let's go back to John's case because John's case, well, John is, case to right. me. Because the John case is, we don't we don't have video. Actually, the only video we have is this cop reacting in a certain way, frantic. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. You see the whole, You see like her uh, by a staircase, a stairwell. You could tell she's upset. But these these other factors that you brought into this thing. Uh, again, I didn't hear all of this. All I heard was, and I saw a picture. Now you know I'm hearing that that picture really doesn't apply to this, or is this. There's nothing to show they had any kind of relation, but now you're saying. Well, you I, I saw a picture of but, him with three women, but I, I didn't see that cop in the picture. Right. It didn't look like that to me. But you're saying. But Benjamin I've seen the pictures Crump, of her family, and no, I've seen those, right? But you're saying Benjamin Crump, who is the attorney, he is kind of well, no, coming no, out saying. No, no, that's wasn't Crump. They have more than one lawyer. There's more than one lawyer. Too. It's not Crump. Okay, and so Crump, Crump is Crump. not the guy you want. Yeah, his, his track record isn't that great. His not that great. Number two, he can't talk. Number three, you know, he's a um, he, well. I hate to use that word. He's a media whore. He goes wherever the wherever the you know wherever the controversy is. He's the last guy I want. Yeah, but these families, you know, look, they want media attention, so it's kind of like it's like having Sharpton on your team. 
you know, for some reason. I, I wouldn't want anything to, you know. So, see, a big, big sexy, our resident uh, counselor, he says the family has hired Benjamin Crump as their lawyer. The sideshow will be will be starting soon. Because I've actually I've heard I've heard some of the uh, uh, uh. some in, I've heard some interviews with Crump, and you know he's kind of putting himself putting himself out there as you know an attorney for them. So you know yeah, maybe well. in some maybe in some other capacity I don't know, but it, it, it's it's frightening circumstances. Um, I don't want to see I don't want to see some kind of low payday for the situation. I don't. I mean, look, the civil part of it, you know, I know people, I mean, you know, look, money, money is, is inconsequential. When a loved one passes, you know, money's really not going to mean much, but it does mean something. And when you factor in uh, future, future earnings, future income, I mean, I know this with my, with what I deal, deal with legally on the insurance side, uh, annuities, future income, future earning, pain and suffering. Now, this 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 case right here, this is a young guy. This guy might have had seventy years on Earth. Okay, so well, the McDonald start, family they got the McDonald family got five million dollars. The city well, paid them five million dollars. This, I, this was I, before not, the tape came out. Yeah, but look, we're talking about upper tier black person. This 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 person worked for Price Waterhouse. He's a college graduate. We don't know what is his, his projected income. Could be in the should it be should be in the respectively it would be in the millions anyway over a lifetime, just with his pedigree, just being average, his pedigree would be in the millions. Laquan McDonald, that's more. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be cruel. And our resident again, uh, BS could talk about this. Um, look, no one no one wants to talk about this, but they do put a number on this stuff. This stuff is calculated. You have actuaries, the attorneys. There, there's a way to actually. Calculate on I hate to put it this way value. This guy was a college-educated black person who probably had another fifty to seventy years of existence on this planet. Uh, you his the emotional the emotional ties the, the negligence also the negligence is severe. See those other cases one can construe a certain level of murkiness maybe some comparative liability. This is not the case. This is absolute. This is abs- absolute future future earnings and just the the uh, the, the penalty on this. Uh, they're going to probably want to settle this, but if they were to take this to court, which they're probably not going to do, if they took this took this to trial, this might be a fifty million dollar case that he would that they would get, maybe more, maybe more. Well, this is, just, this is gro- just this clear is this grotesque. for me. She has sure. been charged already. Has she been charged or not? I thought she was charged with manslaughter. That's correct. All right. And man- manslaughter is not murder. No, I know it's not. No. You know, so there's it's lesser. You know, um, look, she could get a fine and a couple of years. I, I just look. This is looking if they can't if they can't connect this. To some kind of intentional act. Again, I'm not an attorney, but I've, I, I've seen my fair share of depositions. Uh, I settle cases with attorneys all the time. Um, this, oh man, 
it, it, it's, it's already it's already being maneuvered in a certain way, where she's not going to do major league time. It, the public may ask for it, but if they can't see that this was an intentional act, if it was truly accidental, she's not going to get a lot of time. She's not. Well, you know, don't forget, Dallas has a black female police chief. You know, there's a lot of pressure on her. There's a lot of pressure on her. And um, if I, if yeah, she's going to try to – what? Sergio, Sergio, this is planet, planet – you know how I use the term – we use the term here, planet Brooklyn? That's planet good old boy. <laughs> one, black woman, one black woman does not run a show. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, that's let me true. go to let me go. Let me go to Q Storm. He's been he's been chomping at the bit. Q Storm, uh-huh. Red, Sh- Red Shirts podcast. What's up? Hey, um, you know, I I, I I forgot to call in, and I'm kicking myself because I know you have some good topics tonight. Oh man, we're getting uh, it in, baby. Getting it in. Black Superman. Yeah. Black Superman. Go ahead. Oh Lord, I really would. I really wish I could have got in on that one, but um. I heard, I heard that the prosecutor, which I think is a black female, is right. going is trying to go for murder one mm. on this case. And I think now don't don't quote me on this is because <clears throat> there are witnesses that claim they heard the the police officer. I hate calling her that because she's a scrub at best. Uh, they heard her saying, "Let me in, let me in." Yeah, we we mentioned that. So mm-hmm. that tells me that she was aggravated or she was um, agitated. He answers the door in his underwear. Now that's unfathomable, unfathomable to me how you do that in an upscale apartment building. But that tells me that oh, she knew him. Twelve a.m. Man. Yeah, I'm not answering. I'm, I'm not. I'm not putting any blame on the victim. But I'm saying what I'm saying is. If he's answering the door in his underwear, that must mean that he was familiar with her. And I've heard that there were, they've they've there've been photos released of her and him together. Yeah, they're kind of debunking well, no, that there, though. There, no, like I said, there, there's a photo of him with three white women at some you know barbecue or picnic. It, I it, you know it, I don't know when the picture was taken. It could have been something at the uh, at at the apartment complex where they live. I didn't recognize her. You know, they said the woman on the extreme left is her. It doesn't look like her to me. I don't know. But but even one of the lawyers, not Crump, but the other lawyer who is representing a family has indicated or alluded to that there was some sort of relationship between Jean and this cop. Right? There was something going on. All right. Now, now, once again, I don't know if that's true. I haven't heard about any witnesses or anybody who has come up and said, yes, they had a thing going on or they had dated for a while. I haven't heard that, you know. Uh, but that has been alluded to. Now, if she wants to go for murder one, this this uh, district attorney, that indicates, of course, intent, which then indicates that there was a relationship between them. Or it, or it could indicate that it's the prosecutor who's overreaching. We don't know. I don't know. Unless she a, has some evidence we don't know about yet. Well, well I don't want to hijack the show, but you know, I, I also want to say 
I don't know if you guys saw this report that came. That's, now, I didn't see the whole thing. I, I'm going to admit that. But apparently, one of the screwed up NRA uh, leaders, Dana Lash, and I, in full transparency, I am a member of the NRA. I joined simply to get certification, but they keep making me question if it's worth having a business and being certified. I know where you're going. I saw the maintain video. maintain a business. But she, I saw the video. I, I know just saw going. the headline. I didn't see the whole, I didn't see all the context. But sometimes a sentence is a sentence. And she said that if Botham, Jean, and that's another thing. These network oh, no, no, not that. To... I, saw, I, saw, I saw you were going with something else. I'm sorry. Oh, 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 hold on. Let's let him finish. Right. Go ahead. These network anchors, these these reporters need to know how to pronounce the Caribbean pronunciation of J E A N. I mean, let's have some respect for God's sake. Do your, do your, If I hear one person say Botham Jean, I'm gonna lose it. Anyway, she claims that if Botham John had had, if he had been a licensed gun owner, he could have prevented oh. his death. And I'm like, what? what shot the cop? So what you're saying oh, yeah, is, right. you, you're saying this black guy. Should have shot this cop upon seeing her when she opened the, when he opened the door. That's what you're telling the public, and that's what you want us to buy. You know, that's this forward. is why I keep saying I keep saying the that's white forward. folks and black folks. I'm an NRA member, but I can't stand that organization because they don't represent the members. But of course, these members are too stupid to understand their representation is flawed. So that that just set me off. That's all. All right. You know, let, let I, me, I thought you were going about that video where Dana Loesch uh, tried to compare Thomas the Engine about, to the Ku Klux Klan. Well, right, no, but that's the same person. Isn't that the same person? Dana Loesch is what you're talking about. Dana Lash. Dana Lash. Yeah. It's Lash. Dana Lash. Lash. Yeah, I remember. Dana Lash. I, 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 I glanced. Hold on, Serge. Let me hold on. Let me, let me, let me, I want to pipe you down for a minute. So, look, um, I want to go to the New York Times just for further edification. Hold on. I'll bring Sergio's mic back. Uh, This is from the New York Times, entitled, Claims by Dallas Officer Who Killed Man in His Own Home Raised New Questions. An off-duty Dallas police officer who fatally shot her neighbor in his apartment, claiming she mistook the unit for her own, told the authorities that the door was already ajar when she entered and that she had shot him after he ignored verbal commands, according to court records released on Monday. The officer, Amber R. Geiger, 30, who has been charged with manslaughter, could face additional charges and charges in a case that has led to accusations that the officer received preferential treatment and debate about whether race may have played a role in the deadly encounter between a white police officer and a black, and a black man in his home. Now, I had said at the top of the show that this is the price of being a black person or an African in the Americas is that we are stigmatized so that even a professional black person, you, you know, you, you can easily, you can easily get caught up. Now I've said this before. Now people say, Oh, you backtracking. No, what I'm saying is under the ideal conditions, you should be able to speak and speak up for yourself and, and look, do the best you can, but let's not, be naive to think that we don't pay a price for the Nog community that that puts over this dark cloud over black black men specifically, black males specifically. I know black women have their problems. I know, I know black men, black women get caught up in some of this as well. But the stats show 
this is a black man's issue. Maybe even a black straight man's thing. Now, I'm, I'm being half jest in jest for real, though. The root doesn't talk about this kind of stuff. This is, this is what black straight men are going through. No one's really checking the sexuality, but I'm, I'm going to put that there. I'm putting that little uh, asterisk there. That's what we're dealing with. But they want to clown us on that. Anyway, uh, on Monday, the Dallas County District Attorney, Faith Johnson, insisted, I think this is where Sergio uh, or uh, I think Houston was going, in, going there, insisted that the investigation into the death of the neighbor, Botham Shim Jean, 26, has, had not ended and that her office could seek charges including anything from murder to manslaughter. We'll present a thorough case to the grand jury so that a right decision can be made, Ms. Johnson said at a news conference. I mean, this is just, I don't know, man. Uh, Can I just? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Just say real quick. Now, someone's lying or someone's not getting the right facts because I've, I think you just said the door was, she claims the door was ajar, yet the prosecution, if I'm not mistaken, they claim they hear, they heard people saying, they, they have people that claim they heard her saying, let me in, and she was fumbling with the key. So someone's well, lying. Would- I went one step further. I made reference to the gentleman. I believe he has a show called The Advice Show or The Advice yeah, The Advice Show. Um The Advice Show TV. And as I said, he's he's almost approaching 900,000 subscribers. And essentially he does uh black news. And he's out of Texas. And he Oh, had, yeah, that brother. Yeah, I like I like that guy. Yeah, I know you're talking right, about. Right. Well, he's look, he's he's serious about it. So, he someone, maybe someone from his from his, his company, goes to the apartment complex and shows that with a, with, with a key, if you have the correct key, obviously, you know, these are digital locks. They are electronic locks. So you put the key in. If it's your, if it's your apartment, truly, a, a green light will come on, and then it will engage. If it is not your apartment, a red light will come on, and you cannot get, in that, in, get into that apartment. Like a hotel room, like a hotel exactly. key. Exactly. Well, right. well, this was, but actually, yeah, hotel usually they're, they're cards, but these were actual right. actual keys. So I see. They, they they showed this. It wasn't like if if it really was about her getting into that into that apartment under normal circumstances, but not just because the door might have been a different color and there was a red carpet there, but if she did, look, it wasn't her apartment, so if it was locked, she could not have gotten in there. And like you said, witnesses say there was an exchange as if he had to open a door. She was knocking on the door. So they, they got to clear up, did this girl know this man? And it's also ironic, you know, they're close in age. I mean, come on. Some, you know, I, this is a black professional, decent-looking cat, clean. I mean, you know, she's not my type of woman. But what? I don't look. I don't know. I, I'm, lead, I'm led to believe he might have put something on her. That's the Afroner theory. Something ain't right. Something. And she would do, something is, this, was, this was a revenge but, shooting for an affair or something, you think? Well, I mean, look, it, when you shoot someone square, it's square possible, it's mask, possible. It's, it's upfront and personal. That, that's a, that's a passion. It's not, it's not even like a, a shot in the leg or something, or a shot in the arm. I mean, you shoot somebody to take them out. I, but but they're saying that. She, but see, at the same time, look, if something was 
was awry with her getting into that apartment. And they're saying these apartments, for the most part, are identical, right? Um, I could see it's not like these things don't happen. Off where you you know you quickly kind of you kind of see oh this isn't my apartment, but they are saying these apartments are pretty much identical. She's coming off of a 15-hour shift. We don't know if she has some kind of they, – they did mention in this New York Times piece that, we, that she's been drug tested. We do not know the results of those tests. There's, a, there's her mugshot, and she looks like she's out of it. Not that, she, not that she's going to look the best if you shot an innocent person, but there could be some drug business going on. There could be. I don't know. Well, he- David, I've worked long shifts. You know, sometimes I had to lift heavy light kits. I'm dealing with cameras and such and such. And I, I've never gone to the wrong floor of my hotel room or of my apartment. Never. Even when I, sometimes you know how when you go, you you might see a car that you think is your car. At some point, you look up and cognizance, cognition takes. She plays music. Oh, I almost got in the wrong car. Thank God I didn't well, do yeah, that. But, well, yeah, you do. But listen, uh, that I've I've done that. I've, there's a I, I've I've uh, seen other jeeps, other cars. I mean, I've I've done that. But, you know, I've gotten close enough where I'm like, oh, something's off. But it's not like you don't approach. You do approach it. This is this is these are identical apartments, and she already went to the wrong floor. So what she went? See, that's another thing too. She she thought she was on the right floor. It's different if she's on the same floor and she makes a different uh, makes a mistake with the apartment. This was the same apartment, different floor. So th- there's something you know we can we can understand the the mix up. Fifteen hour shifts. Um, there's been, there's been talk about policemen and, I don't and, understand and anything. city officials that they make these mistakes, man. That they, they need to be. Investigation. There probably is going to be some kind of investigation, and maybe even um, a union in, union involvement with these city officials or well, city workers logging these kind of hours. That your cognition is is off. You know what I mean? You're, you're essentially working an entire day without rest. So it's not really an a, an excuse, but it's it's an explanation. The the linchpin is you should not have been able to get in there in the first place unless you were drunk and you're banging on the door and you're you're not really yourself. That makes more sense to me. That makes more sense to me. And she shot someone before. She shot someone before, not fatally. Yeah. So she's used deadly force before. Now I know I, I have uh I know a number of police officers. And you could—I know uh, a majority of police officers that I know have never sh- have never shot their weapon. That's right. This wo- this woman has four years' experience and is already. This is the second time she puts hot lead in so- hot lead in someone. Whereas in whereas in New York City, I know police officers that have never shot anyone. I could say something about that, but I'll get pilloried as a sexist. <laughs> well, I, the th- well, look. You know where I'm going, right? I know. I, I look. It, it, it's. I, I wanted to go there too. I wanted to go there too. I've seen so I'll many say, videos I'll, I'll, with I'll women. Say, and... I'll say it for you. I'll say it for you. Look, 
I believe women are equal, questionably. Not that they need me for evidence. <laughs> okay, you don't need my co-signing. But there are but they're equal doesn't mean not different. And if you are diminutive, this looks to be like a little girl. Okay? If you're diminutive, even if you're a diminutive man, if you're diminutive, you Very may true. be quick on the trigger with mountainous a mountainous black man or white male for that instance. You're you're not gonna be able to deal with that with that kind of energy. Uh as a fair fight, that's where you have the equalizer. The equalizer is the weapon. So you're gonna be you're gonna be on that, so you can go to quick. So you can go to quick equalizer mode. You're not gonna go fisticuffs with a 250 pound or 220 pound dude. It's not gonna happen. So if you're dealing with that kind of power difference, you might be a little quick on that trigger. And again, she's only she's only been on the force for four years. She's already shot somebody. That's what I'm saying. You, you were absolutely right. I, I don't know. I probably, don't, I don't know if I know as many cops as you do, but I know, uh, I know of some in New Jersey because a lot of my friends, uh, one of my friends' uh, brothers, a cop, and he's introduced me to a number of cops. None of them have ever. Not only have they not fired their service weapon, they hardly ever get any training using them. <laughs> this woman is shot twice in four years. Why is that? And when you look at her look, mugshot, you're like, wow, I'm surprised it's only been twice. Look, we, we've seen uh, – the captain knows a few, uh, com- a few compatriots in the gym that we frequent that are officers. Uh, funny guys, very respectable, nice dudes. And these guys got some size on them. Now, those guys, I'm pretty sure – well, actually, these guys have a certain level of cogitation. Because when I speak to them, they'll be the first that if, if a nog situation goes off, they may go the other way. <laughs> All right? <laughs> even 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 my friend Nemesis, who's now retired, if something really popped off, they may go in the opposite direction and, and 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 figure it out, do some planning, right? But some of these cats are big enough to 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 handle themselves, okay? Uh, a, a five foot two, a hundred pound police officer soaking wet, male or female, I don't know if they're gonna they're they're not gonna go fisticuffs to somebody. Some of these guys I know are pretty big. They like six four and change. A captain, the, the, the two cats that I'm talking about, they're t- they're pretty tall, right? Aren't they about six four, six three, at least? Uh, Ian is six three. Marlon is six six. <clears throat> oh damn! See, I, I'm I'm six two myself. So I, sometimes I can't even I can't even figure out the the difference. I can't I can't tell the difference. I just know that you know like they're about my about my height, maybe a little taller. But these guys got size. So, you know, and I'm pretty sure even they are going to be a little bit cautious. But they can put some, they're going to put some hands on you. This little girl right here, not so much. Not so much. These, these cats might want to put, the, put, your, put their hands around a man's, a nog's neck. I, you know. <laughs> now, See, I, I can stand stop. I can stand, I can stand he's about another 20, 20 pounds. If I had another 20, 25 pounds on me, I'm like 6'2", 215, 217. Another 20 pounds, I might want to have that same kind of, you know, hand on, hand on nod neck for regulation. That's just me. I'm just saying. Well, my, other, my other question is, does she not have other uh, 
instruments for on, to, to to drop a threat taser nightstick a donut pepper spray a poisonous donut that's it <laughs> knock it off nothing she's got nothing all right uh, it's enough of this story it's 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 a bad it's a bad look i had said um before you came on um q that you know this this gentleman you know he was educated came from a decent family i believe he went to some kind of christian school his educators came out even crying because that he was so so beloved uh on, onward and upward um an associate at Pri- associate at Pricewaterhouse. This man seemed to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing what he was supposed to be doing in his own apartment. So, I mean, I don't. You know, where's Black Lives Matter on this? Actually, you, you see what I'm saying? Even even the obvious. See, I think there's even a little bit of elitism going on here. I, where, where's Black Lives Matter for this? This is a police shooting. Something's wrong. I'm just saying. Maybe they'll come out at some point. Maybe maybe his, his resume's too clean. Wouldn't that be something? Well, you did say he, you you saw him in a photo with three white women. I'm not trying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Well, look. I hope that's. I hope that's not the case. You know, look. We saw black women were willing to were willing, some black women, were willing to relinquish support for the young man out there, what, in, in, San, in was it San Diego or Sac- Sacramento, that was shot, uh, you know, in his grandmother's backyard because he said some untoward things about oh, yeah. black women because he was dating a woman of Asian descent. Right. So I said at the time that you're supposed to be about black lives. You, you, you should ignore because he didn't give you any shine, even if he said something negative, that's not the issue. Because you, they bypassed all the stuff. Allegedly, he was breaking into cars. So the other things that, for me, would make me bypass him, okay? I, I really, as you can tell, I'm far more supportive of someone who really has clean hands. The gentleman in in California, his hands were a little dirty, but these sisters didn't mind those dirty hands except when it came down to, oh, well, he doesn't like us, so I don't want to support him. But you were okay with breaking and entering or whatever or burglary or vandalism, you know, all those things that were criminal acts that didn't matter. But because he didn't like you, now I want to, I don't, I want to relinquish support. I don't want to support this guy. I thought that was disingenuous. I thought that was disingenuous. If a black woman said some negative things about black men and she was dating a white man, but she was killed in some crazy way, I'm not even paying attention to what – I'm not going to say, I, well, she deserves to die or I'm not going to support her or whatever. Come on. Anyway, Q, I'm going to keep you on – I'm going to keep you, keep your mic on for a minute. I'm going to go to a quick groove. Actually, I want to uh, play a clip quickly. I mentioned this at the top of the show. You, you, you're going to like this. This is what you and I have been talking about, the captain and, and, and some of our supporters that understand what I mean by respected, respectability politics done right. Respectability politics done the right way. Um, there is – you may be familiar with this enclave 
we're even thinking about doing maybe a, a video at this particular place, this um, preservation center. In Weeksville, Brooklyn. Weeksville, Brooklyn, as I said at the top of the show, bears the, the, the distinction of being a preserved enclave in Brooklyn dating back to the 1830s that essentially showcased the black middle class for that time period. So you had free men of color living in the north, and there are several houses, a village of sorts, that has been preserved right in the heart of Brooklyn that is an African-American community dating back to the 1830s with these homes. And you can go in there. They have curators. And as you walk around, you, you get a glimpse of life for those for, for certain time periods. One house is like 18 – I think one house actually is like 1860. Another house, another house is like 1900. And then another, another house is 1930. And I think in the 1860 home, there is a newspaper – I'm going, to, I'm going to leave it at that. But you're going to want to hear this quick clip. So I'm going to go to a quick groove. Then I want to go into Weeksville. Then we're going to talk about Serena Williams. We have an extended broadcast, by the way. Folks, this is the Midweek in Review. The call-in number, don't you forget it, 646-915-9620. Let's get into it. This is Charles Bradley. What you doing to me? Two minutes, Weeksville. We'll be right back.
right, folks. Uh, yeah, this is another one. You know, the late, great Charles Bradley. You know, Charles Bradley is um, – I took that pretty hard, too, because I really liked this gentleman. I liked his talent. And he, just as Sharon Jones, I think they died kind of sort of around the same year or, or with maybe within a year of each other. They did a similar brand of music, this kind of revisionist soul. They were maturing artists. They were in their 60s, which is still relatively young in my book, but they were in their 60s. And they, they, they bear the distinction of kind of, kind of sort of being discovered as mature artists. So they had this hipness, immaturity, and they were doing this, this send-up of a, of a sound dating back to the 60s. And they were kind of also uh, local artists that were, that were pretty big. Um, Brooklyn and Queens, both these, these folks. So it's, it's, um, it sucks, people. It really does when these, these talents leave us. Anyway, again, Charles Bradley, what you're doing to me. All right, so we're back. Midweek in review. Feel free to buzz in. Um, our stalwart supporter from the Red Shirts. Q Storm, he's in, in live and direct. What is your YouTube channel, by the way, Q? The name of it. Uh, the the YouTube channel. Uh, if you just go to YouTube and search on Red Shirts of Star Trek podcast, you'll find that. But you'll also you can also go to uh, iTunes and uh, download us. Right, but your YouTube is your reviews, your movie reviews. Oh, the movie reviews. That's uh, real R E E L. RealQStorm.com. Okay. All right. Uh, yep. I definitely a- appreciate and respect your opinion. So opinions, plural. All right. So as I mentioned, this Weeksville thing, I, I-, I dig it. I dig culture, and I also appreciate um, period, per- you know, period views, things that go back, you know, decades if not centuries. So black life wasn't always about servitude. This was in the North when slavery was was banned much earlier than in the South. So anyway, um, Weeksville exists. It was preserved. Uh, I believe it's near Crown Heights. So um, I need to go to this spot. I think we need to do some filming there, just the S and giggles. But I'm going to play this clip. This was courtesy of Vice. Young man from Vice goes to Weeksville and there's a point where uh, the curator discusses, I think it's called the Freedmen's, I, I forgot the name of the, the exact name of the periodical, but I'll let, the, I'll let you as the audience listen to it. Hold on. Talk about respectability politics. They got, they got it in in the 1860s. Hold on. Welcome to the Weeksford Heritage Center. Even before slavery ended, there was a vibrant black town right in the middle of Brooklyn that almost disappeared from the history books. We're here to check out the culture and institutions unique to Weeksville and see what happened to this free black town. Weeksville uh, was a free 19th century African settlement that was established in 1838 prior to the end of the Civil War. So at this time, most black people in America are in slavery, and this was a free black community. It had its own school, its own church a house for the orphans and single moms. So it had all of these institutions and they were all black run and black led. In the midst of all this chaos and violence, they could come and live in Weeksville and be safe. So this was a safe space before people coined that term, safe space? Yeah, it was a safe haven, it was a refuge. It was a place of protection. Mm -hmm. 
So I got this 21st century garb on. It's hard to blend in in this town. The Reeksville staff is letting me borrow one of their outfits. This is the old and new blending in right here in Reeksville. How's it look? Okay. So let's go inside. Let's go back to the 1860s. Yeah, I can't wait. Let's okay. go. Wipe your feet. Mm -hmm. What's going on with this newspaper? This is the Freedman's Torchlight. It was printed right here in Brooklyn in December of 1866. And this was the newspaper of Weeksville. And this newspaper was really important because it served as a teaching tool, right, to teach newly freed Africans how to read and write. And then it also told you how to conduct your life as a freed person. My favorite is the maxims to guide a young man. These are the rules you need to know. Keep good company or none. Never be idle. Never be idle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if your hands cannot be usefully employed, attend to the cultivation of your mind. Mm. So people will be sitting in the newspaper, chilling, reading, cooking. All right, I'm going to leave it at that. Um, again, you can definitely go to the YouTube channel and look for Vice and Weeksville, W-E-E-K-Ville, V-I-L-L-E, one word, Weeksville. But you caught that little part right there, Q where they talk about the freedmen's torchlight, maxims for black men, maxims for black males. And it delineated, you know, uh, not being idle. And, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it also said, um, you know, be mindful of the company that you keep or don't keep company at all. Now, this is, I mean, this is like some straight up stuff that, that, you know, that now, new wave black folk, the Yvette Carnells, and I respect Yvette Carnell, but she loses me when these folks get angry about respectability politics. But and, and in the same and in the same breath, they talk about black folks got to get on code. Getting on code in 1866, according to the Freedmen's Torchlight, these these maxims is respectability politics. Maybe we have to call it something else for the NOG. The NOG must, we, they, don't want, they don't like the term respectability politics, so we call it something else. You know, they used to call, um, what is it, a, a PTS, uh, post-traumatic syndrome, used to be called shell shock. Same thing. Same thing. So maybe the NOG can't handle the term respectability politics, so we got to call it something else. But I have no problem with that Freedman's Torchlight, and uh, I believe you can download some calls of the Freedman's, Freedman's Torchlight if you go to Google. Just Google Freedman's Torchlight just for, you know, just kind of, just for a blast, a blast in the past to kind of see how black folks got down. But look, black folks were self-sufficient in, in the 1830s. But we can't do it now. We're clamoring for black Superman. What's what has happened to the what has happened to the Nas, the Akata? Shout out to Uncle Hotep. What has happened? This gives me Ajna Q. It gives me Ajna. It is clear. I want to bring back the Freedman's torchlight. What well, can I ask you a question? You 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 strike me as a historian. I know you're deep into the Harlem Renaissance. Oh. Uh, I, I hear about this 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 town, and I'm I'm on, in a debate right now on Facebook. I need to stop doing that with uh, 
black folks about integration versus separatism. And I'm saying without integration, we wouldn't have had any capital injected into our communities to build with what what we what we had then and now. So my question is, if you're saying that this town goes dates back to the 1830s, and I'm going to show my ignorance, and I apologize. How, where did that capital come from to create that infrastructure? That's a good question. I mean, I, look, I can only theorize. I'll get, I'll get you an answer, but I can tell you this: that you, you did have people that were working. I mean, you had, you had, uh, even when you think of someone like um, uh, Solomon Northrop, who was up, who was in upstate New York, and who was, who was free around this same time. Uh, maybe a little later, actually. I think he was free in the 1840s, maybe 18. I think he was freed. In, I think you know because he was 12. It was 12 years, so he, it might have been around the same time actually for him. And then he was freed, what in 1856, something to that effect. But anyway, um, he was he was a, a gainfully employed musician. So you had black people who were employed and were able to garner their their wages. To put together these things, I mean, you know, they, they were able to kind of huddle together and put together. They were working. They were, like you said, they were they weren't idle. Look, the the book that I I referenced. I was trying to get this this lady on. Um, she's a Yale professor, Amy Chua. Now, Amy Chua, you remember for Battle oh. Him of the Tiger Mom, right? Tiger well, she Mom. Had a, yeah. She had a second book. The name evades me, but the second book was specific to F that are highly successful. Like the, it was essentially a book that dealt with the, the, um, the methods that these ethnic groups employed to be successful. So it, she, she, she was um, shrewd enough to, to, to and accurate enough where it wasn't about race because all, all races were represented. It wasn't like, it's going to be Jewish people, uh, Ashkenazi Jews, and Asian folk. She was more. She she went into Caribbean Caribbean black folk, Africans, uh, Cub, Cubans. There are ethnic groups that are represented racially across the board, but these ethnic groups that have a certain, um, you know, I guess you know, as far as numbers show statistically that they that they do quite well. There were maxims that those ethnic groups employed that were similar, like the, the Cubans, the Jamaicans, the Nigerians, the Ugandans, uh, maybe middle class black folk. I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't read the book. I think I even I think I downloaded it. I didn't read the entirety of the book. I read excerpts of it. But essentially, you started seeing certain things that they did. They, one major thing was they delayed immediate gratification. They, they delayed immediate gratification. They did the very least of certain things, like a modicum of certain things, and then they became successful. So, you know, completed high school. If you uh, got, got to, to, to college or, you know, maybe you took a certain um, field in college. Again, if you forestalled immediate gratification, there was a certain – um, commonality in some of what they were doing that you could clearly see. They came from intact families. The father was in the house. 
All these things led to a certain result. But when you speak to some of the folks that are more on the on, on the victimization liberal side of the game, they're they're, they're going to discount all that stuff. And I even I even I I I admire and I agree with some of the liberal stuff when they go into the history. No one's gonna, no one's going to discredit or discount some of what the liberals say when it comes down to the facts or, or history. But when it comes down to personal responsibility and some of the cultural components, something as simple as you know, kind of saving your money, uh, you know, staying out of trouble, like these simple these simple maxims. The result was what it was. You know, but single single parent home single parent homes, uh, the kind of music that you listen to, the, the, you know, just you know, staying out late, like certain things that that you're looking at your TV too long. You know, the TV has to be cut off at a certain time. Maybe you have two hours of TV every day or every other day. Those things led to a certain result. So I so old school black folk because I'm actually I'm going to write a piece for Afronerd on this. Old school black folk were tracking a certain way. Post-bellum black people, when they did studies on post when they were like going into – because there, there, there was uh, – there's, there's a great deal of scholarship, Q, that um, the, the question must be asked, what was the perception of black folks post-bellum? Like this whole notion of black people being lazy, black people uh, being criminal, uh, that was not always the case. There was a there was a finite amount of time where the model minority myth was actually ascribed to black people, newly newly freed slaves, that they were trustworthy, that they were hardworking, they were they were um, very positive descriptors at around the time of the postbellum period slash um, a reconstruction. We saw all those gains that those black folks had had, had garnered during that period, but it was short lived. You had Plessy v. Ferguson, and then you had Jim Crow and pig laws and black codes, and you had, you know, you had nonsense. But, yeah, um, those black folks lived under those conditions. They lived under the conditions of, quote-unquote, respectability politics, as you could see in a simple newspaper. Look at that. You can't even see an Ebony magazine that does that now. You can't even find that now. It's done. We, we don't want to do that anymore. It's, respectability politics is a bad thing in some of these circles. I'm confused by it. Hearing, hearing that little mantra from the Freedmen's torchlight gives me a certain amount of pride for some reason. We need it, we need, black young people need to hear this stuff. They need to hear this stuff, for real. My question is, at what, at what point in time did you know, wearing your pants with a belt around your waist, looking smart, as the British say, looking smart, uh, speaking properly. At what point did that become, quote unquote, co-opted by white culture? At, at what point did it become um, you're trying to be white and you're trying to garnish favor or garner favor by doing things that, I mean, any any human being who has respect for themselves would do. I I just don't understand how Debert. I, I just don't understand how people can defend walking around with your pants hanging below your ass. Who does that? 
Well, you well look, you had a compatriot that was co-signing on that. You know what we're talking about? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> okay, and, and I, I had people that brought it to me recently on Twitter that I didn't even mention hand sagging, but they just think that automatically when I when I when I was co-signing um, Reverend Ellis, I think that's the gentleman's name that went into this rant at the Aretha Franklin funeral. Amy Williams. Jasper Williams, right? Oh yeah, I, I was gonna say, no. Ellis was the guy that was had his hand around um, right, Ariana right, Grande, right, right, right. right? Jasper right. Williams. Thank you, Jasper Williams. When he went into, went into some of the stuff, and look, I can admit what I'm wrong. I will capitulate on this point that it might have been he, he, he should have volleyed that a little better because he was speaking at a funeral of a single mother. So even though even though he was speaking speaking in complete truth, I think he could have I think he could have touched on that, but it is a little off that you go into black men can't be raised by by black women, single parents, single mothers, pardon me, which I think is an accurate statement. I mean we we look, there are outliers. Obviously black women can do this, but we're talking about as far as ideal situations and some of these negative outcomes when you go into these prisons, you know, the prisoners themselves when interviewed when they, the, 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 their, their ghosts, their demons, they talk about having bad, if not non-existent relationship with their fathers. That can't be discounted. Okay, I mean that evidence is pretty clear, but you can't say it. You can't say it. So he said it at the funeral of a single mother. Although, maybe when uh, the Queen of Soul was alive, because I saw interviews with her, she was she was pretty. You know, she's pretty conservative in her demeanor and her comportment. You know, she was she she didn't even want to speak about um, Nicki Minaj. She said, "I she said I don't want I I'm going to no comment on that." So we kind of know where she was at, and she approved of this reverend. But you know, to be fair, I think that I think there should have been a little bit of a little bit of um, editing in that. And how it was presented, he could he could have still gone into some of that talk, but maybe should maybe should have been a little bit more political on that. But I still I still co-sign a lot a lot of what he was saying. But as far as why is it acceptable, and I mean you know uh, there's a whole host of reasons why why is it acceptable, why people seem to want to. I mean, look, we're not winning. That's my thing. It's just not working. If it worked, I wouldn't say anything. As I said, this woman, Amy Chua, wrote a whole book on certain things that people did that led to success. So instant gratification isn't one of them. It is what it is. You know, Sonia, Sonia Sotomayor, who I have a great deal of respect, who was of Latin extraction, from the project in the, in the Bronx, is a Supreme Court justice. How do you come from that environment and you end up on a Supreme Court because this, it, despite the poverty she still had family that was on her that had her study she still did certain things even in an impoverished situation she still stayed away from nonsense she stayed focused and still made it from the project still still but people that want, want to apologize on that kind of stuff I'm, I'm confused by it we, we, we're just not winning. It's not working for you. It's not working for you. It is what it is. 
we'll, we'll, we maybe maybe we will revisit this. But uh, there's a book I've referenced quite a bit. I think it's called uh, Black Rednecks, White Liberals. Uh, Thomas Sowell wrote this book maybe seven or eight years ago, and he went into the whole lineage of white gangsterism, of white ethnics in America, of poor white trash culture, and how actually ghetto culture is a derivative of white ghetto of white ghetto culture of white poor trash Appalachian culture. They're, they're, they're mirror images of each other. They're, they're uh, cousins, and it and it starts with, in actuality, white lower cat lower class lower caste trash culture. It starts with that, you know, going into um, into uh, you know the the into London, the Lower East Side of London, going into the gangs of New York, uh, which we saw saw in in film. We saw you know if you read some of the excerpts of, of that book, there was there was you know you had you had an Italian on Italian. They used a, they used the term Italian on Italian crime at the turn of the century. 19, of the turn of the of the twentieth century, it was before there was black on black crime. The actual terminology was Italian on Italian crime. That that was a thing, obviously. But back even into the, the in, back into the late eighteen hundreds, and and going into the nineteen nineteen hundreds, there were stories of, again, mostly white people, white ethnics that would if they would steal the gold from the teeth of their neighbor. That's how they got down. If you were rocking a gold tooth, they would kill you if not snatch that tooth from your mouth. And yet, black folks want to be want to be keeping it real. And I'm I'm down and I'm ghetto and that kind of thing. No, you're you are a facsimile. This kind of talk needs to be imparted to black people. Even the term ghetto, you know where ghetto comes from. Ghetto was there were ghettos in Poland. Ghetto mm-hmm. ghetto isn't even a Ghetto doesn't even really even apply to black people. Now it does. Uh-uh. Now ghetto. Now ghetto is a verb. It's it made of being. It's crazy. That's right. All right. You know I love to talk about this stuff, man. I can go on and on. I can do a whole show just on this, off the top I, of the dome. Can go I make ahead. one quick statement about going back to the single mother thing? Sure. And I may have mentioned this on the show, but I joined the uh, Big Brother Big Sister program, and yes, I have a little brother. Uh, his his mom, I know her well now. She has a nice home. She has a nice car. She's raising, I want to say, three daughters. Two of them are in college. And she has the son, who will turn nine tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Right. Now, and the father is out of the state. I'm not going to say anything more. I don't want to put okay, business out there. Okay, we got it. We right. got it. Not through any... Any noggery, nothing. It just, it just happened. He, well, maybe some on his part, but not on her part. Okay, all right. She's raising these kids, and he, she's doing a great job. And even then, her kids are like, "Hello, hello, Mr. Jones, how are you?" Uh, uh, Zion, that's his name. Person say his name, but he'll be down in a minute. Uh, how are you? You want something to drink? These, these kids are are excellent, and okay. he still, even then. She said, "I wanted a man in his life." She knows. She she, she said, knows. "I want to." She said, "He's only around women." 
That's a problem. That's not to say women can't do it, but I mean, it's always even if you, I, I don't care if you're gay, lesbian, whatever. If you are a couple, whatever, it's always good to have checks and balances in the house, and it's always good to have an opposite gender in the environment so that the child can see both sides of the coin. It's well, not. This not- isn't. It's not rocket not, science, people. Oh my God, I'm getting frustrated. <laughs> you're not supposed to say this, but I've I've heard stories. I've heard stories. This is in in print somewhere, um, where you know some of these young boys, you know, they're they're urinating while sitting on the commode. You know, they're they're doing what their mother does. I'm hearing these stories. That's Stop that's, it. that's that's knock that's, it that's, off, please knock no, it off. No, well, look. <laughs> I'm not mentioning. I'm not mentioning that. I'm not mentioning that to be funny. I mean, that's a thing. That that is the beginning. If you if your young man is doing stuff like that, that means in ten years he's going to be putting in an application for the dancing, the prancing elites. That's the next step. Or he's going to try for the cheerleading that we just that you showed a, a video of. That's, that young man. And those. Yeah, but I want to say I want to save you from yourself. You're not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I think no, what you're saying you're, is that it's not meant to be that. it's not meant to be programmed preternaturally. Yes, that's what I'm getting at. Okay. You know, listen, like, there's all kinds of No, print, no all princess kinds. boys in our community. We don't need princess there, boys at 5 years old. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's people pushing that though. There's people pushing yeah, 13 so, 14 if you're 13 or 14 and you can start to cogitate on your own, that's where you want to go. Fine. I have no problem with that, but this should not, you, you know what I'm saying? Well, look, you had a nine-year-old <laughs> you boy. Tra- yeah. You had a nine-year-old boy. Tragically, they committed suicide. A man, a, a young boy of color. If I'm thinking, I think it's a black boy that uh, allegedly he told his mother that he was gay at nine. And then he told, he, he disclosed this to his uh, classmates and you, you know, you can't go there. Um, you can't tell your classmates that you read comic books, practically. I'm I'm kind of jesting on that, but you know, it, look, going there is an extreme at nine to your classmates, and he couldn't take it. I don't know. I I, I look I, look. That's beyond my pay grade. I don't know what I don't know. I, I would I would really like to speak to someone of an alternate lifestyle, alternative lifestyle, and ask them: Is it possible to know your sexuality at nine? My, they'll tell you that he didn't even like girls. He didn't like girls. Or, he didn't like anything. Well, he, well, he wasn't about sex. He was I about the truck. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I was writing love letters to my to my teacher, uh, Mrs. Johnson, when I was six, uh, seven. But that's idol worship. That's what that is. It's no, not no, sexual. No, 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 no. That, listen, I'll this is the you. after. I had go. already had Jim Brown and Jim Brown, Bruce Lee. I, it was already happening. I had crushes. I had crushes. I know I had crushes on girls at eight. So, look, they don't put don't don't bring me in. I, listen, I'm 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 old school. I'm 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 of a different time period. I read the Freedman's Torchlight when I was young. This, I'm a different animal. It's over. Black Superman. Black Thanos. Black. Thanos speaking. Anyway, let's <laughs> let's go. Let's move on, man. For you, you got this. This is it's too much. All right, let's go to Serena. Serena Williams. Um. Wow, we are getting 
it's, 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 the Williams sisters, you got, you have to give it up as far as their athletic prowess. You have yet to see a skill set like this with two sisters. They, they, they've, been, they've been running this tennis thing for years now. Incomparable. Okay? So let, let, let's go to this clip. And we'll dig in. I, I don't know what to think. I think there's something there, though. I'm glad that the other sister, uh, who is of Haitian and Japanese extraction, who's not hard on the eyes, um, I'm glad for her. Somebody got to lose. Somebody got to win. You know, I, th- I think um, Serena's had her, had her fill. She just came back from a, a pregnancy and a marriage. So, you, you know, look, it, I, I just, I, you, you didn't really lose anything per se in the natural scheme of things. You can't always win. But I think that, I think that they did not treat her. I thought that the umpire, I thought, he, I thought he weighed in on it really not honorably. I think that, I think something is going. I think she I think she has a fair point actually. And then you have that infamous cartoon that has her looking like a simian from Australia. Man, they try talk about eighteen thirty eight. <laughs> they really want to make they really want to bring us back. They're trying hard on that. All right, so let's go to this uh I got a little clip. Um well maybe I don't. I thought I uh you know what? I can't. I don't. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Oh, here we go. Bomani, Bomani Jones, sports journalist. Bomani Jones on Serena Williams. Hold on. Serena Williams is our last name because this morning a senior figure in the tennis umpiring community told The Guardian that they are considering forming a union because, quote, there is a widespread feeling that umpire Carlos Ramos was hung out to dry for nearly 48 hours and that no one is standing up for officials, end quote. Bo, is that an overreaction? Yes, it is an overreaction. Now, look, I have found that most of the immediate responses to what happened in the U.S. Open final on Saturday were overreactions, right? I don't think they, I don't think they came from bad places, but I think with Serena, very little that happens with Serena is actually about Serena. It is about whatever she represents to the person who is watching the situation, right? When it comes to the cartoonists or the people who come back and say that this is a larger view into the way that women are treated and all these things. Yep. I felt like... It was not about what happened in that moment. But Carlos Ramos, they held up his calls as they happened. And I would think that if I were in the umpire union, I would be saying, could you give us some, like, standardization on what to do with this coaching thing? Because that's what got them in this in the first place. If there's not a game penalty for the way that she would talk to him, right. or we don't even have that conversation if not for the coaching thing. That's the part I'd be trying to work on if I was an official. Yeah, but I don't mind the idea of unionizing on principle because I do feel like this voice the umpire's voice is what has been erased here, and I agree. The larger resonances in the story about how women, and particularly black women, can be angry, can be outspoken in public, all of that is selectively enforced and arguably quite unfair. But in this case, the dude did, as much as he was a hall monitor in this instance, the dude did in fact call her for rules that she broke by the book. So. On this level, if the umpires want to stand up for themselves, I do kind of get why they want a seat at that table. Yeah, but the issue is that if you are doing that job, anybody can do it by the book, right? 
can you do it based on what the present circumstances were? And there were That's plenty fair. of opportunities for him to manage that situation and to handle it oh, better. Oh, he handled it terribly. Right, and that's the thing. He handled, he handled it badly, and I'm not trying to diminish anybody's experience or how they felt in the course of watching what went on there, right? I've just noticed that when people have talked about this, it's gone to places that I never expected that it would have gone. I feel like it's been flattened by a lot of people into one thing, when in reality, it's everything, including the way she's been treated at that tournament. Right, and people would rather now robots replace these umpires, which, by the way, maybe get that union on that. Oh, Pablo and robots. That's just a snippet from Bamani Jones discussing this controversy with Serena Williams at the U.S. Open, uh, our haunting grounds, actually. You know, as I was listening, I was just so happy to be looking at this Rihanna. Rihanna is trending because she has some kind of, uh, I don't know, some mini concert or something to, to um, promote her makeup lines, um, Fenty. I'm familiar with the, the, the Fenty thing, the business deal. All I can say, I know this is politically incorrect, but, you know, she's a nod, but I'm attracted to Rihanna. Is a, is, she's squatting down with big legs and nice feet. This is a problem. I'm not cut for this world. I cannot comment on what I'm seeing. I find Rihanna attractive. I can't say that anymore. I'm just, I just got to look. That's going to be hard for me to have to to beat this out of me. I can't say what I, I can't say things comfortably anymore. You can't say a, a woman is attractive. Anyway, it's over. It's over. What are your thoughts about the Serena Williams situation? Okay, I've been back and forth about this on Twitter and Facebook all day. You know, business is slow. What can I say? Um, I'm not going to say I condone the way Serena went all in. I particularly don't condone her breaking her own racket. That seemed petulant to me. What I don't understand is her coach admitted to cheating, right? And he also said that all other coaches do it, okay? My thing is, do we have any evidence that Serena was following his coaching from the stands? No. I, I haven't seen it. Okay, I haven't seen any evidence of that. Even so, if all the other coaches are doing it, why is why are we talking about striking umpire boycotting umpires boycotting her? Okay, that's one thing. Second thing is, do you recall what was it last week? An ump uh, an umpire got down off the chair in an in, unprecedented move and went to give the one of the players a pep talk, but that gets a pass. I, I don't understand. I, you know what? I don't understand why, particularly Serena, I don't even know why she even deals with playing tennis anymore. Because I, I go on YouTube and Facebook, and I see the comments. 90% of the comments against her have nothing to do with what happened on the court. It has to do with calling her an animal, a creature, uh, a buffoon. Uh, uh, you know, what, picture what they say about Michelle Obama and just insert the name Serena Williams. So I, I don't know why this woman, she's got a nice, uh, she's got, uh, she has licensing all over the place. She's on covers. She has a new daughter to take care of. I'm sure she's set for life. Why is she still subjecting herself to this madness? That you know, so that that's what I have to say. Uh, Cap, any thoughts on this? I'm, I think there's. Uh, I think she makes some valid points. I mean, you know, she's making some comparisons between how 
male tennis pay- players are treated. And look, when you when you mentioned um, this is the cue when you mentioned that she berated the official and she said you're a thief, that is being kind because they went they went back into the past. And I think it might have been Jimmy Connors or someone of that you know a, a, a well-renowned tennis You're player. You're talking about male. John McEnroe, right? Well, well, that yeah, type of well McEnroe was well, well. McEnroe, I even mentioned because he that was his shtick. That he is like I'm being soft. I don't. I, it might have been McEnroe. It might have been, but I remember seeing a, a specific clip since this incident, and maybe it was McEnroe, maybe it was Jimmy Connors. I don't know. That person had said to that official at the time, you are an abortion. <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm like, wait a minute. So when you see that and also talk about rackets being, I mean, some of the stuff that men were allowed to get away with, rackets being broken and all kinds of really, you know, passionate behavior, to use a euphemism, passionate behavior, they still did not get the kind of fines being levied against Serena Williams. They, they they weren't in the same universe. So I think Serena is onto something. And the fact that you just mentioned, I heard it. I heard this also that they're talking about boycotting. This is this is connected to. I kind of sort of feel this is this is in the same bailiwick as as uh, Kaepernick. There's this whole penalizing thing for black people because they don't do what you say. That this this is this is some ish. This is a problem. And we're going to talk about Kaepernick in a minute, too. We might as well segue into that as well. Captain, what are your thoughts about either one of them? He's just banning and punishing black people on a different scale than their white counterparts. I think something is there. Cap? I don't know what happened to Captain. <laughs> I, I assume we had to take off. I, I don't, well, well, he he, I, he was quiet for a while. Yeah, but it's uh you know normally he tells me. <laughs> Can you hear me? All right. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can yeah. you hear me? Yes. All right. First and foremost, John McEnroe could not play in today's climate. Oof. Not because of his ability, he had incredible ability. If you take that John McEnroe and place him in today's climate. This climate is way too sensitive. That's the first thing, all right? You're dealing with a time when people were not as sensitive. So a few words, a few this, a few that, didn't bother you as much. That's number one. Number two, people like LeBron James and other professional top-notch basketball players complain sometimes when they don't get calls or things of that nature. Or... <clears throat> they may foul somebody, and the other person says, oh, it's LeBron, you didn't make the call. Let's get together and decide how they're going to call a particular game because they have that right. They can call it within the rules, that is. They can call a game tight where everything, this is from basketball, and you do it in other re- refereeing type of business too. Football, they do it also too. They do it in tennis also. Within the rules, though. You can call the game tight, you can call the game moderate, or you can call it loose. Or you can start a game where it's tight, and then you can loosen it up, loosen it up some, within the rules. 
All right? And they have a lot of leeway with that also. So when I first looked at the situation, it looked like she was just mad at herself because she wasn't on her square. All right? She plays from a very emotional standpoint, tremendous athlete and everything else. That's what it looked like to me. You know, she was mad at herself. She wasn't on the square. Now, does the ref, can the referee pull that? That what he pulled? Yes, he can. Because in with the confines and the rules. Now, you could talk about whether it's sexist, it's because she's a black woman or something like that. You have to be able to prove that, though. If you can't prove it, you got to drop it. You understand? That's the bottom line. You got to be able to prove that in that type of scenario. Got to be able to prove it. You understand? If you can't prove it, there you go. Where's the run-up? Where's your facts? Where's your this? You got to leave that alone. So in my opinion, that's not something you really go there. But I understand the reason why you go there at the moment because the emotion you're playing. It's just like a person's in a fight in a ring, and then right after the fight, you know, the person loses, you stick the mic in it, and you say, well, he got to keep his deportment or something like that. No, man, he just lost the fight. So a lot of emotions are going to be there. Now, here's the problem for me. When the bitch-ass refs start talking about, oh, we may boycott some of these Serena games, you know, due to the fact, you know, uh, that uh, we're not being treated right. That's part of the climate now. Now you start to give her a case that maybe there is some sexism, you know, maybe there's something else going on there, racism and things of that nature when the ref start doing that type of thing. You know, the ref has the option to play the game tight, loose. If you violate the rules, I can go hard on you or I can act like I don't see it. That's my option. And I can take the point away from you depending on how I feel. Maybe next time I act like I don't see, maybe I don't. That's all within the confines of the rule. But when you start playing that game, that the refs allegedly, theoretically, potentially, inductively might be playing now about we're going to formulate a union, we're going to this, no one's listening to the refs, so yada, 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 yada. You know, now it starts to look away. Now it starts to look, you know, this right here was a little problem, you know, the situation here. You know, and I also agree with Serena is a symbol for everybody for different reasons. <laughs> it's not just she's playing tennis. That's what it is when you're top-notch and you're black. The white people just get to play tennis, not so much when you're a black woman, you know, in that case. So there's it, it, a lot going on with this. There's definitely a lot going on. You got the cartoon. That wasn't necessary. You know, we used to draw cartoons back in the day. It didn't have that same effect. But his other side of that. Remember, remember, you cannot draw a picture <laughs> pertaining to the Muslims about oh, yeah. Muhammad or anything with Allah. They'll come kill you for that. Yeah, yeah. So that's another way of looking at it. You know, that's another way of looking at it. You know, you get a certain amount of observers on that picture, people feel away. That's something they have to look at and be careful. We're not in the 70s and 80s anymore. People get pissed off real easily now. So there's a lot of things to look at with this, man. But now it's starting to look away. Starting to look away. When it first happened, I was like, man, she just upset because she took the loss and everything else. That's part of the game. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Sometimes you get bad calls. Look how many times in football when the game is on the line. You know, people betting their mortgage and everything else. The ref F up the game. Happens in soccer. 
You know, overseas they call it, you know, football. You know, we call it soccer here. All the time, man. All the time. You know, bad call. And it's obvious it's a bad call, too. But the ref has that right. That's, that's what he does. He or she does, you know. So you, you got to look at all of those things when you look at this. But it's starting to look away because the wretches, those are referees turn into little bitches at the end. Take the hit and just shut your mouth. He also said the ref, I don't know if this is true, said he stayed an extra day in his hotel because he didn't want to get any backlash. <laughs> you know, when he was leaving out of here in New York. That's interesting, too, you know. I don't think anybody would have done anything to him, but you never know. Back to you, Afro. Yeah, you know, um, it's funny. When you mentioned the cartoon, it, it kind of gave me shadows of the Charlie Hebdo, uh, the French. There you go, exactly. uh, that, that was a few years ago, if you remember. They, they mm-hmm. constantly was poking the tiger or poking the bear. They, they were just, I, you know, that was a recipe for disaster. Um, I think they had a couple of a terrorist attacks, and they just would not yes. let up off of poking the bear when it came down to, uh, you know, having these cartoon depictions of Muhammad and, you know, some unsavory situations, you know. So I think they had, like, a, a cartoon of two Muslim dudes kissing. No. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, do that. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. No. Okay. So I don't like to see the loss of life. I don't, like, I don't believe in terrorism. But the writing was on the wall on that one. Um, and also when you mentioned that we've been talking about um, the, the union of these umpires, it, it re- reminds me because they were going into this kind of collusion talk, which mm-hmm. is kind of the story that we hear with the case that the arbitration, the, the arbitration case involving Colin Kaepernick. So there's something there. So we got about seven minutes remaining, so I think we should touch on this. Um, the Kenner, Louisiana mayor, Ben Zahn, imposed a citywide ban on Nike products. So, you know, look, he's a lower-level lower level mayor, so he's grandstanding. He's got a bugaboo about this. We, we must have some kind of symbiosis with our listeners because Cthulhu's prodigy, the gentleman that follows our show, he tweeted out this book that I'm definitely going to check out. I think he tweeted it out to you as well, Captain, called yep, The Heritage. The Heritage, mm-hmm. Black Athletes, A Divided America, and the Politics of Patriotism. And now that we have a few minutes, I do want to go into this because uh, th- this is just – it's frustrating, it's troubling, and I, I, I failed to talk about something – Involving the Kaepernick case from a few shows ago. But, you know, look, this is really a referendum on black patriotism, black versus white patriotism. It is a referendum Uh on it. And when you go into how deep this really goes, you go deep into the rabbit hole. This insistence and this, um, this blacking out on the real story. This, this need to negate the reason why these young men want to kneel as opposed to stand for the allegiance. When you go into the very, the, into the national anthem unto itself, well, this has been mentioned before, the third stanza that's been removed. The third stanza is, a, is, is kind of a repeat of, of the anger 
that whites have against blacks. Like the stanza that the stanza, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but the stanza was that was removed was essentially a shout out against the slaves that sided with the British. Right? So you're a slave. <laughs> the Brits give you a better deal. And the the white Americans Okay, or the, or the white colony co- colonizers, to use a word. Mm-hmm. They are they are angry with you because you don't want to be a slave. Like you, they still want you. To, they still expect loyalty from you as a slave, versus the Tories that want to give you a better deal. What part? Of, what what's going on? That that is the very beginning of. Black patriotism, black patriotism versus white patriotism. There's like black folks are are in an untenable positioning, and I go and I I rack my brain because I don't see people in major media outlets actually putting out there because I've expanded it beyond just the police malfeasance and the problems with that. This is about white people or white patriots, white in quotes, white jingoists that want you to comply. I don't I want you to do what I say. Irrespective of what your experience in the Americas are. Your experiences. They don't care. You you were a slave for 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 centuries. Then you go through um black codes, segregation, lynching, sundown laws, Busing. So, for, so from life, life for the black person from 1619 to let's say 1965. What was that life like, and can it and can it compare to white life? That is the difference. And then when and then when you factor in what black soldiers, the black soldiers that did participate in these campaigns. On behalf of their country, and still were not treated equally, even though they were they, they they did some superhuman feats on the battlefield. They still did not get the respect. Even the, even someone like Jesse Owens, who was in the Olympics Olympics in 1936, and you know the story goes that you know Hitler turned Hitler turned around. He didn't acknowledge acknowledge Jesse Owens. That's not really fully correct. That FDR did not really give. Acknowledgement to Jesse Owens. They didn't agree. They didn't. He didn't meet him in the White House. There were 18 other black athletes at that time. There's even a documentary about this that performed smashingly on, on behalf of the United States. And even though they did these things, they were still not giving full due diligence because you were a second-class citizen after having been an enslaved person. That's the black experience. And they, and in spite of that, you do what you what we say. I'm, I'm even taking police misconduct out of the equation. I'm just going into your experience versus my experience as a quote-unquote American. And no one points them. What are we supposed to do exactly? And also, you fe- the track record for white people. See, I'm sounding like a liberal, but I'm going into I'm going into the history. The track record for for white resistance for black movement. Is it's always the same. 
black white folks had problems with black people not wanting to be slaves. They were against they were against that. They didn't like that either. They didn't like they didn't like you having a problem using a different water fountain or a different bathroom. They didn't like you going to their schools. They don't like any they don't like they don't like anything you do that moves forward. So so I would want to ask a black a white person, a white patriot that's into this thing, what do you want us to do? What about all those other what, – what about that, that precedent, that bad precedent where you didn't like anything that, that we were doing? You didn't, like Dr. you didn't like Dr. King when he was alive. Now he's the greatest thing since uh, sliced bread in death. That's the black experience in a nutshell. That's why black people are, are kneeling, and we have never been. And there's a great deal of precedent that, that corroborates that. I'll leave it at that. That's, that's what that book is going to tell you. And let me repeat, repeat that again. The Heritage, Black Athletes, A Divided America, and the Politics of Patriotism. This is, a, this is a referendum on black versus white patriotism. Now you got this, this mayor who wants to – who's so incensed over Kaepernick that Nike – I don't want Nike. I don't want, I don't want to deal with Nike. I want to ban Nike. He's so angry. Maybe maybe that's why black people feel this way. That maybe maybe all that that history, you think, you think. Anyway, folks, it's been real. Um, Sunday, seven p.m. We didn't talk about Iron Fist season two. We did, but there's more I want to add on to that. Uh, Jordan Peele revisits Candyman. I'm excited. Okay, Sunday, seven p.m. This is Napalm Crossfire Sunday. It's been real. 6 p.m.